This podcast is sponsored by JList.com. On JList.com, you can shop from a constantly evolving catalog of anime merchandise such as toys, books, Japanese snacks, anime computer games, and so much more. Support this podcast and visit JList.com for all your anime shopping needs. Okay, so we had three girls that we punched in the face and locked in the closet, but we had four girls who were strong, independent women. So don't worry, it's okay. No, really, we probably shouldn't be locking anyone so. in the closet. <laughs> you are listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Make your anime addiction worse at aaapodcast.com. And now, here are your anime addicts. Thank you for joining us for the 252nd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Chiaki, and I am joined with a full house tonight. It, Mitsugi here. I was going to say, and now it no is, one says anything. It is definitely a full house, and <laughs> I am uh, I am sitting directly behind Chiaki. I've hidden him away. No one can see me, but I am managing all of the technology and will be hidden for the duration of the podcast. He's, he's back there working hard. And uh, I am Kazuo, um, here enjoying some delicious sake whilst rocking my uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Squirtles t-shirt. Ooh. Very nice. Very nice. I'm the provider of the sake. I'm, I'm Felix, and I haven't been here in a while, and usually I'm the least knowledgeable of anyone on this program when I'm on, so... Basically, you know, forgive any mistakes I might be making over the next however long we're on the air. No mistakes. No mistakes. You're good. So you can find us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and broadcasting live on youtube.com forward slash user forward slash aaapodcast official Saturday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have a new five-star review on iTunes. Oh, thank you, guys. Before we do the five-star review, can, oh, I, can I just okay. say how good it is to have Felix here with us again? It is good. Well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be back, and I'm always thrilled when you actually want to have me back. You, when have we not wanted to have well, you? Well, you never know. You, you don't take I these mean, things for granted. There you was never, that one time. Yeah, see? <laughs> he remembers. <laughs> you know, no. You never take it for granted that you're huh. not going to say something or do something and you're on the air and the minute you're out of the room, it's like, God, we're never doing that again. Kazuo, we told you, oh. don't tell Felix what we secrets. say when he's not here. You see? You know, Felix, Come we, on. Felix, we still have one in the, we still have one bullet in the chamber for you because uh, we still one have bullet, the, uh, that's really morbid. We have it is morbid. <laughs> in case, you know, in case we're five sick. minutes in and he's already mentioning gunplay. <laughs> in case we have to put what you I down. What I meant was we have a review of Nobunaga Concerto that we have yet to do. So that will be coming up actually sooner than you guys probably think. I, I'm really looking forward to that, as a matter of fact. It's a show that I'm, I just finished watching very recently, the first season, the first 10 episodes. And I'd be very, very disappointed if the show didn't come back. I, I want this to come back for a second season. Well, do you do you know it's made it been made into a live action series? No, it's I did really not know. That. Yeah, it's really popular in Japan, apparently. Well, then I'm I'm glad the concept is taken off because I really 
became enamored of the whole process and to the point where I had to do a little bit of research into my warring states period history to find out, okay, this is where they're going with this story. How are they going to resolve this? And, you know what else is really popular in Japan? Pumpkin Kit Kats? This five-star review. Who wants to read it? Ooh. Uh, why don't we have Felix read it? Okay, sure. So um, this is submitted by... How do I pronounce that? Game Freak 1. Game Freak. These creative spellings, they throw me. I was used to be a composition teacher. That's why I don't recognize spelling that doesn't look right. All right, Game Freak 1. Fret not, AAA podcast, AAA podcast, for I am here to save you from a five-star reviewless episode. I have been listening for the past six months or so, and the show helps me get through long days at work. I love how the hosts play off each other and make it entertaining even when they're not talking about anime the entire episode. I have learned more about the culture and what it is like to live in and visit Japan. Cram and Mitsugi arguing and Chiaki stumbling over her words while reading the news breaks are both very entertaining. I love the reviews and really liked Tari Tari in particular, so keep them coming. You guys rule. Stumbling over the news breaks. Ouch. I will say that Chiaki has about 5 million forum members' names to read for the trivia this week, so there will be lots of stumbling. Yeah. Woo! No, it, that was during the news breaks. This person is criticizing my news breaks. It's okay. I'm not really hurt because I'm, you know, the news breaks got thrust upon me. So, anyways. You don't want to do the news breaks? No, I mean, I don't mind doing the news breaks. I'll I'm just, do the news breaks. I'd love to do the news breaks. Whoa, where did this come from? We should both from? do the well, news no, it's, breaks it's, it's part together. of my job. It's part of my day job. <laughs> you know, I do news breaks, but for Western sports. What if we yeah. do? What Watch if what you, you ask I, for, Felix. What if you and I do the news breaks like a run DMC rap? You know, where I don't we go rap, like, back and forth? No, I don't. I'm sorry. I, All right. I, I don't. I'm sorry. And I'll I would never denigrate the art form of rap. We can rap. have. We'll have Chiaki drop a, a fat beat, and then you and I will just <laughs> rap the news. I hope. <laughs> I hope a fat beat involves we'll eating donuts while making a beat because that's totally what I'm down that for. That would create some interesting sound. I'm just throwing out <laughs> And <just> get crumbs <laughs> all over the microphone. Forum awesome. members. New forum members. Thank you, Mitsugi. Welcome, Fried Raptor, Mullik Senpai, Frat Brotaku, <laughs> Vos D, Vos, yeah, Saishu uh, Heiki Kareshi. Good job with that one. Uh, Excellent. You. Does that mean something it, I, in Japanese, or is that this means something? This is important. I want you to know that if you don't go faster, we're never going to get to the end of this list. Okay. <laughs> Do you guys remember the last time I was on with the episode? How long it went? I just be prepared. By the way, Saishu Heiki Kadeshi is something like um, the last comfortable boyfriend, or something like that. Yeah. What? Hey, call the last, me. Uncomfortable the last boyfriend. Fine, the last fine boyfriend. That is what it means. I think. Um. All right, trivia. The answer was Usagi from Sailor Moon. And so the whole <laughs> world gets it correct. And those who got it correct were Saw Creature Snakeblade, Shizuo, Saishu Heiki Kareshi, Ichigo Fr Fields, Dino Animasaurus, Bryn Yayaoi, Unnatural Chusha, Takoyaki, Outlaw Messenger, Kurodo Mind, Kimi-chan, Kazuo is Senpai, Faust, The Count, Nelly1876, Chumiki, Chibi Rob, Bort65, David the Demon, Blackjack Almighty, Is No Try, Night Reader, Midori, One Half Ranma, Shake a Spear, Icy Rose, Opai for Senpai, Baka Ichigo, Astrophysics, and Your Mother. 
because everyone and your mother oh, got I, this correct. For a second, for a second, I thought there was a forum member named your mother. I wouldn't have been surprised with that list. Actually, I, I did like too. I had, I had to check the list to see we'll see if there was someone named your mother on there. Your mother, Trebek. Um, the winner out of all of those for the week was Kudoro Mind, and the theme is still Anime Girl Brides. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. Bag, 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 bag. If you want to give us an almighty anime mailbag, you can submit a mailbag on aaapodcast.com and click on the tab called Mailbag. It goes to a Google Doc form that we look at and smile and read your small novels. Um, so... Yeah, so Nomzy Womzy Lomzy is. F- I love the first that name. I, I like that I name really too. Do. I, I love feel that like name. it's a Doctor Who reference. Uh, I like it less now. <laughs> Doctor Who reference. Yeah, doesn't it, doesn't the Eleventh Doctor say something? Uh, like that? Doctor Who? Who's that? No, I was thinking it was more of a Doctor uh, Seuss reference or something. <laughs> it does sound more like Doctor Seuss, right? Yeah, you're getting so, your doctors mixed up. Nomzy Womzy Lomzy writes, "Hey guys." First, just wanted to say that what an awesome show you guys have put on. It really helps me get through my boring days at work. That sounds familiar. It seems like a lot of people survive their work days because of us. Anyways, I just wa- I just finished watching Carnival Phantasm, which is a 13-episode OVA, which takes different characters from Tight Moon-related anime and puts them into short, episodic, comedic situations. I was curious as to if you could combine one anime, manga, or game studio's body of work and place the characters into one show which universe would you choose thank you for making my anime addiction worse with each new podcast uh for me this is this is um i I did give this one some thought and i'm gonna go with the with atlas's the atlas game company's friend uh flagship game series shin megami tensei they have a lot of interesting characters uh and a lot of different um, moods to their to their games particularly good were the the recent Persona 4 and um, I love the Nocturne game that came out back in like 2005 they have a really dark array of characters and um, the Persona games I just have a, amazing casts and I think that they could put together something really interesting if we, we had like Persona 3 and Persona 4 and maybe even the upcoming Persona 5's characters all put together into like one you know unique game or uh, anime series. Hey, Mitsugi. What's up? We are living our lives surrounded by so much information. We are. I'm, I'm going to have to second that and pick the cliche of Final Fantasy. Oh. Isn't that what Kingdom Hearts is? Sort of? Uh, no, um, I'd say that's more Disney than Final but, Fantasy. But they, but, but they also combine an awful lot of the... Uh, yeah, not too much. I mean, there's, like they have Final Fantasy 7 and 8 in there. Shh, and I think shh, that's stop it. Much it. That's true. There's a lot of really good characters from 6 that get ignored and also f- four like Kane and Cecil yeah well I'm glad that you both put a lot of thought into this question because I didn't but <laughs> I did come up with an answer um, and I know they've done stuff like this in the manga before but just like an overall just shonen jump kind of team up where you get people from Dragon Ball and One Piece and Naruto and all that stuff just that'd be cool uh, more of that is always welcome with me can we have the fist of the North Star yeah, people in those in that, and then they just have them kill all the Dragon Ball people. Kill everyone. <laughs> just, just uh, perform one of Kenshiro's 
you know, f- uh, five move, you are dead, you are already dead can moves we, on everybody. Can we have Kenshido like tearing apart a horde of uh, Moe girls? It can be like Dynasty Warriors. I think that would be phenomenal. It's a video game. That's the next Dynasty Warrior video game. I, I'd I th- like to see a series with Sunrise characters. I, I think it's not that far. It's not that far from reality because I'm pretty sure that there is a Dynasty Warriors style Fist of the North Star game already. It was Ken, Ken's Rage. Ken's Rage. Ken's so Rage and Ken's Rage 2. We just got to put some Moe girls in there and he can just you know, rip, them, rip them apart. That's a mod great. that you can download or oh you can find God. for the PC version that is changes it? all the bad all the bad characters to uh, to Moe girls. Is it really? So... No. Oh, but, <laughs> but doesn't that sound great? That would be, that would I will, be amazing. I will, pay, I will pay two, count them, two bitcoins for that game. So... Our next mailbag comes from Maddie One Monopoly, and this mailbag was originally four hundred words. Yeah, it was. So um, and we're gonna read all four hundred. It, it was a friggin' novella, okay? Mitsugi was freaking I, out I about it. Really redefining I, the novella term. Aren't I want to say yeah. When, when you say novella, I think of fifty pages or no, more. No, I think of Spanish soap operas. A telenovela. Por favor. I want. Uh, I really appreciate the mailbags, but. 400 words is a little too much for a mailbag, so. But we're gonna. Re- I, I condensed it, so let's go. Okay. Would you like me to read it? I go vote for, for Kazuo. Okay, awesome. Uh, can you suggest an anime for me? I tend to be more into darker seinen or just mature anime in general, but I generally don't care about an anime's maturity as long as it has themes or symbolic meaning in it that even a foreigner can interpret. I'm a bit of a dub fan. It Uh-oh. just. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. It just, just kidding. It just makes it easier for me to consume anime. So if you could keep the language in mind while suggesting, that would be appreciated. But if you don't keep track of dubs and subs, that's fine too. Ideally, I would like an anime suggestion along the lines of Technolize, Rin, Daughter of... I can never pronounce that word. Nemocene. There you go. Nemocene, whatever. Sorry. Phantom Requiem for the Phantom. All right, I have two, and I'm pretty sure they're both dubbed. I have a hint. Are you ready? Okay. Oh, shit! That's your hint. <laughs> How is that? I don't think that fits oh with... Oh, my God. I don't think Oh, my God fits with anything. It does. That's JoJo. That joke That's doesn't... a saying in anime. Right that joke there. doesn't hit with okay. me because I don't have headphones on. Okay, Chiaki, sorry. Chiaki, what was your suggestion? My suggestion was going to be... I think you should watch High Bunny Renmei or Boogie Pop Phantom. Oh, Boogie Pop mm. Phantom. And those are both dubbed, I'm pretty sure, and they're older. Yeah. And that's how I know that they're dubbed because it's been a minute since I've really kept up with the American dubs. I think that High Bunny Renmei might be done by the same director as Tech Technolize, which the which the author of the mailbag rec- suggested. It's uh, Yoshitoshi Abe, I think. I-, I have to check on that, but... um. I second those suggestions. Yoshitoshi Abe. That's his I name. I like that name. Yeah. Yoshitoshi. Yeah. Um, I also recommend those as well. And I, I recommended uh, Denpa Taking a Kanojo several times. It's sort of a shorter show, but I think that you definitely will enjoy it. Um, I'm just checking here. Yoshitoshi Abe did Technolize, and he also did... He, he was the original creator of uh, um, Hibane Renme, but he, he was just the character designer for, for Technolize, so... Um, I also recommend uh, Serial Experiments Lane, I think is one that people kind of have forgotten about, but is uh, so what was super popular, and uh, Ergo Proxy. Ergo Proxy was also a popular show that uh, extremely dark. I didn't like Ergo Proxy. I didn't either, but people do like it. Yeah. Um, okay. People also have bad opinions. 
Oh my gosh. Boom. How, how rude. <laughs> how uh, arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> She's over here sipping her sake, judging people. With my pinky out. Oh my god. High class. Um, I suggested a couple. Uh, for an older anime, of course, Berserk. Um, I love which, that show. Yeah, and has a good dub. Um, bloody. And very bloody. Bloody. And, uh, yeah, very good show. Um, and then for something more recent, Psychopaths, which is uh, has its second season going right now. And apparently is the most popular anime of the season. Yeah, and it's very good. Um, definitely for, probably not for children. I would say it's definitely more of a seinen show. Um, and has those dark features that you were looking for. So It's pretty rare to even find an anime for children nowadays. It's either cram full of violence, like huge like explosions of blood, or it's got half-naked girls in it. The women, the, the girls, are, the little kids are really being left out nowadays. They're like, they're being corralled to like the 3 o'clock, the 6, the six o'clock television block on TV, which consists of Pokemon, Doraemon, um, Yokai Watch, and uh, Chin-Chan. Mm. And even so. some of the, quote, shonen shows have a lot of, uh, I guess you would say, adult themes in them nowadays. Yeah. So, yeah, they definitely are being left out. Okay, so uh, who wants to read this last mailbag? Shocky, why don't you read it? Me? But I, I'm i leading the show. I was going to say, why doesn't Felix read it? All right, go ahead. Yeah, since I didn't look at this part of the uh, show outline, so I don't have any answers, why don't I just pose the questions for you guys? Oh, there we go. I'll oh, moderate the discussion. Yeah. So this is um, from Shigakaje. Hey guys, awesome show. I've been listening to your podcast for almost a year now, and I actually find myself more addicted to your podcast rather than anime. Damn right. This is a question for the Church of Mitsugi. I was just wondering what episode was the church founded and what was that one Moe show, if there is one, that drove you to creating it? I would be interested to know what Moe anime that you guys hated the most. Thanks for the awesome show, guys. I listen to your show at work, and it really helps make work more fun. So what show pushed you over the edge? Well, the the Church of Mitsugi was founded in about episode 70, I think, and... Um... We are unsure about the origins of our Moe shunning, for it has been so since the dawn of man, or at least episode 70. However, we feel that deep in the tombs it is written that the four horsemen of, Mo- of the Moe apocalypse are Comfer, the white rider, will fill your being with the pestilence known as Moe porn. Ray- Rio Rainbow Gate, the red rider. War will break out between your penis and brain as you stare at massive breasts for hours on end. <laughs> he said penis. Mototoroburu, <laughs> the black rider, will unleash famine as your mind and body ache for nutritious viewing that goes beyond incest, demon tail sex. Is there and, another kind? And finally, Sorono Toshimono, the pale rider, will cause death by panties, as you have a brain aneurysm from the stupidity, so it was written in the Moe book of Revelation, book six. Um, what? You guys <laughs> I'm having books? a religious experience right now. Don't mock that, please. Okay, don't ruin it. Okay, that was, that was really, really powerful. <laughs> I think it was the most boring part of the show, so meh. <laughs> no. Oh, fine. Fine, then. I was just trying to be nice to Mitsugi, but, you know. But uh, no one has to do that. I'm not here very often. Chucky's just jealous because she doesn't have her own music. Um, not yet. Because you run the mixer, I'm never <laughs> going to get my own music. 
All right. So before we take our first news break, I want to let everybody know that JList.com is running a special holiday promotion that will last between right now and the end of the holiday season. I know a lot of you guys have already gone on to JList and have gotten things, and that is awesome. Two thumbs way, way up. Um, like this video if you get the Disney movie reference. And uh, if you use the code we love AAA14, that's all one awesome. word. I love JList. We love AAA14. We love you too, JList. It's $10 off any purchase of $40 or more. So it takes that $40 figure and makes it a $30 figure. Uh -huh. Or that $40 you were going to spend on your friends, well, you can just use it as a justification to spend $10 on yourself you can tell your friends you spent forty dollars on them pocket the other ten and then go to vegas you can All buy right. a, you can buy a pack of didakuma condoms so it can be used on almost anything. Um, you can use the code WELOVEAAA14 to buy all sorts of things from JList, including their grab bags. And I think like snack subscription and Japanese iTunes to gift cards so you can get J-pop and stuff like that. So, so they're like $40 and up. So I guess those oh, are just kind of too... $30 oh. and up with uh -huh. We Love AAA14 promotional we code. We Love AAA14. So. so just remember to use that when you go shopping on JList.com. I'll probably put a note on the site to remind everybody because if you go shopping for holidays, it sucks when you find out you could spend less money and get more. I know how that feels. So on this episode, we're going to talk about Gamergate. Gamergate. Dawn. I feel like we need really oh. ominous music, and this this news break music isn't really cutting it, but you know, maybe later. So we're gonna talk about Gamergate and how if it applies to anime, and hopefully you guys in the chat can give us your thoughts. Oh, did did you find some? Oh, there we go. We're going to be talking about Gamergate. <laughs> I need Careful to work now. I need to work we could my... all get doxxed if we say the wrong thing. I know. I'm actually a little nervous to talk about this topic. You piss off the wrong person, and it's all over. Yeah, right? Um, so after we're done talking about Gamergate. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we we're are not going disrespecting to the movement at all, really. No. Have... <laughs> yes. It, it is actually um, a serious topic. Uh, all right, we're going is, back to normal music. Okay. music. I so, disrespect everyone equally. Awesome. Well, you know, that's a good way to approach it. I disrespect the people who harass and hunt down other people, no matter what their gender or beliefs are. Um, so we're going to have impressions on Gundam, something, something G. Reconquista <laughs> in G. Uh, Shigatsu wa Kimi no Uso, or Your Lie in April, Cross Ange, Tensi Toru no Rondo, and Nanasu no Taizai, and... Ino battle wa nichijouke no nakade. So stay tuned for all of that. Hey everyone, this is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, for those of you who are fans of collecting figures, well, there's a new 3D figure out there that, well, will be unlike anything else you've ever purchased. They're Knights of Sidonia 3D models. And no, they're not made of plastic. They're the actual models used in making the series. Now, the prices of the models range from a very reasonable free 
to just shy of 250 US dollars or 24,800 yen. Each download will include an Autodesk FBX and a Wavefront OBJ. For those of you who do 3D modeling on the computer, I assume that means something to you. Detailed information for each object can also be found in the description for each download. In addition to the characters, customers can also get a variety of objects, including weapons, signs, and, of course, onigiri or rice balls. In other news, acclaimed director Hayao Miyazaki will be making his way to the States, and this time not for John Lasseter. The last time the Academy Award invited Miyazaki stateside was for the 75th annual Academy Award ceremony in 2003 when his Spirited Away was nominated, nominated and won Best Animated Film. But Miyazaki said he didn't want to visit a country that was bombing Iraq and, well, didn't come over. The Academy tried again by inviting him to join the Academy in June. This was at least the fourth invitation that he received and, according to rumors, declined each time. But they've honored him and this time it stuck with an honorary Academy Award. It will be given at the Governor's Award Ceremony in Los Angeles and Miyazaki has stated that receiving it is an honor, even if traveling to the United States from Japan is quote-unquote a bit of a bothersome thing. In other news, for those of you who are weeping over the end of the Naruto manga, well, the 50th issue of Sheisha's weekly Shonen Jump has made an announcement that might ease the blow. A new, tentative t tentatively titled Naruto Manga miniseries will be launching next spring. The miniseries will tell a newly budding Konoha story. This is in addition to a series of Naruto side story novels that Seisha's Jump J-Books imprint has already announced. In other news, Shinichiro Watanabe sat down at MCM London Comic Con and talked about Cowboy Bebop live action and sequel. But don't get your hopes up. He said, and I quote, I'm afraid I don't know what they're thinking in Hollywood. Apparently the project, the Cowboy Bebop live action movie, hasn't come to a stop, but I don't know how it's going to progress from here on. I hear that there are a lot of quote unquote Hollywood problems. He also said that he has no interest in creating an animated Cowboy Bebop sequel unless, I quote, I thought I could do better than the last time. If I feel that way, I might make more, but I don't know when that would happen. We don't know when that would happen either, as Cowboy Bebop is one of the most iconic anime of all time, at least here in the West. This was Chiaki, and this was your anime news break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Chiaki, what's that? Mitsugi, what, what are you doing looking at my computer screen? Get out of here. Was that a... No. I, I think it was. No, it wasn't. Come on, Chiaki. We've all played a hentai game before. It's nothing to be ashamed. Will you just get out of here? Okay, I will. Thank you. If you tell me where you got it. Really, Mitsugi? Yeah, you know, I bought hentai games before in Akihabara, but they're all in Japanese. I can barely get halfway through them before I get frustrated and have to quit. I can't understand a word that's on the screen. Well, maybe you should study more. Plus, that one looks really high quality. I mean, look at all the artwork on her. I'm looking at my computer screen again. Fine, but you get my point. All right, if it makes you go away, I got it off jlist.com. jlist.com? Don't they just have figures and bentos and stuff? 
Well, yeah, but they also have some more adult things, too. They have a huge library of English-translated visual novels. And, yeah, not all of them are adult. Some are like Steinsgate, and they're always bringing out more. But if you're into the adult stuff, they also have some other things that, well, may help you enjoy those visual novels. Whoa, I'll have to check it out now. Great. Go to JList.com and look at all the adult things you want on your computer, because mine is busy, so if you'll excuse me. Right. Don't worry, I won't bother you again. I'll be too busy looking at JList.com. back to the 252nd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Oh, it's so good to be back. I'm enjoying my fourth cup of coffee. I missed and you guys really so much. it really shows. It does really not. shows, dude. It's, 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 um, it's all an try act. Try the decaf, bro. It's all an act just for try you, the Felix. Decaf. I had I had a pumpkin Kit Kat from the J-List snack subscription because no one else was eating it and I wanted it. Moral of their story of my life. Moral of the story of story my of life. Story of your life is no one wanted it, so you took it what <laughs> that's the moral no, of the story I'm no, so no, the story of your it, life so i ate it the moral of the story of her life is basically i have a question it, yes how I long does on. it take for the chat to start fighting amongst themselves because of this topic five um, over or four. under over or under four minutes uh under for sure under I'm going to say over. I think we have a civil group of people here. Of course, they're going to hear us making this bet, and they're going to decide which, That you know. doesn't yeah. change a thing. <laughs> that does influence the, the conditions of the experiment. All right, yeah. if, if you're on my team, it, go under. It yeah, it if you're seem, on our team. It doesn't seem to matter in sports. team. Woo! That's illegal what you're doing right there. What? Point shaving. It is. High-fiving is illegal? What kind of communist country do you live in? Oh, point shaving is illegal. It is no shave November. So I think we've postponed this long enough. Uh, Gamergate. Gamergate. All right, so I'm somewhat responsible for this topic being brought I, to your yeah, show. I think All it's a fault. great topic. Um, well, I think it's a Mitsugi scary reached talk, out to topic. Me. It is a scary topic. Mitsugi reached out to me earlier this week and said, hey, you know, we kind of want to tailor this week's content to your strengths a bit. You're not on the show very often. And I appreciated that very much. And so he's talking about Western comics. Hey, do you want to talk about, you know, this character fighting off against this character who would win. Like, no, let's do something a little bit meatier. Let's talk about something a little more topical. Something deep. And something philosophical. I don't, I don't something know about scary. philosophical, but it is scary because I wasn't aware of it until uh, I'd say a month ago when I found a story about Felicia Day, who's, um, who uh, Mitsugi didn't know who she was. What? What? Did not know who she I was. I recognize her picture, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, but she didn't know Jeez. her by name, right? Okay. It's Felicia Day from the string, Guild, string from me Dollhouse, up. from... Day. String me up. See you there. Okay, I recognize her oh, from... Yeah. Dr. Horrible. Of course. And um, talking about how... Half the chat doesn't know who she is, by the way. Oh, no, they'd know. For sure they know. They would know if they saw a picture. So, this, But this is, this is a public figure, a celebrity... Uh, a film actress in, in Western film and television who up until very recently is very active in the gamer community. She's very open about her geeky pursuits. She helped well, produce the guild. And, I was going to say, it. look at it. She, I think Felicia Day's first claim to fame, first real claim to fame was through the guild. I'd argue yeah, that. Absolutely. I think it, I think you're right. Although I mean, she may have shown up on, on uh, Buffy 
before yeah, then. Yeah, but I think that's what put her on the map. I think that's what made her a household name in the, you know, certain communities in that she's gamer popular. culture. Yeah. Sure. And she was talking about how of late, because the climate has gotten so ugly and threatening towards female voices who express their opinions and express positivity about the way that gamer culture is becoming more inclusive and more respectful towards women and people with alternative lifestyles, um, that she saw someone, she saw a couple of guys on the street recently who were wearing gamer t-shirts. Previously, like a month or two before, she might have walked right up to them, hey guys, and said something in gamer parlance to, you know, to engage with them and, and talk to them because gamers are awesome, right? Now she crosses the street. Now she's afraid to say the wrong thing to the wrong person Isn't or else she's going to get doxxed. You know, her private information is going to be released by somebody on 4chan who wants to get even with a girl who shouldn't be opening her mouth, right? And this is, this is really, I had no idea this was going on. And so I did my, started doing my research and finding out the origins of this. And, and well. it's terrifying. It didn't even start with Felicia Day. Right. It, it didn't sounds start like with her. it sounds like she was like a late a late entry into this sort of scandal, I guess you could call it. Um, according to my research, Zoe Zoe Quinn was the first one who was targeted um, after she supposedly had a relationship with somebody from Kotaku, and um, and then Anita Sarkeesian also was um, a target of threats. Because of a new episode that she put forth in her in her internet series, Women of uh, Women as Background Part Two, um, which was released as, um, after the a blog entry by one of the prior uh, people that I spoke of just a moment ago from Kotaku. So, you know, she reported that she had received death threats that compelled her to temporarily leave temporarily leave her home, um, and of course. Uh, Brianna Wu and Felicia Day and others have also been the target of and It's harassment. not just death threats. It's rape threats. It's people saying on Twitter and social media, hiding behind the anonymity, the protection that, oh, they'll never find me, uh, threatening to silence women who express opinions that are contrary to the status quo. And, you know, I'd like to... This isn't the topic, but... It, it, I think it relates in the sense of I actually had a discussion with one of my friends in the past five or so months where I got back to the States and because I came back from Japan about six months ago at this point. And I had a conversation with one of my friends where I asked them, hey, did the word feminism somehow change meaning when I was in Japan? Because I left... And feminism and being a feminist was no scarier or abnormal than it really has ever been. You know, you have the people who think there are Nazi feminists and then you have the people who think there are bra burners. And then you have, you know, like with any movement, you have the crazies and that's a small minority. And then you have, you know, the it's majority. a very vocal minority. It's a very, very visible minority. Very vocal, visible minority that it, the media and a lot of people enjoy sensationalizing. And then you have the majority that you know, maybe says more true, or you could argue says more true to the fundamentals, but I've I've noticed a lot of very famous people since coming back saying, oh, I'm not a feminist. 
I've noticed Beyonce, I think, was one of them. I think Taylor Swift has been one. I think Lady Gaga has been one. And these very, very prominent women in the media who are very purposefully distancing themselves from that word. And a lot of, conversely, very prominent women in the media who are associating with it and who are getting a lot of, of backlash that I feel is an abnormal amount compared to, like I said, in you know what I would see if someone said, I'm a feminist two years ago. And I feel like Gamergate is kind of that pocket of that sentiment, but for the video game community. So well, I, I do want to speak to the actual, like the origin origin of Gamergate, because I know some people in the chat were asking about it. Um, it started with, uh, as we mentioned, um, what was her name? Zoe, uh, Quinn. Zoe Quinn. Yeah. And uh, who was a game developer. Right. And apparently she uh, broke up with her boyfriend at the time, who then released all this information saying that she was had been sleeping with a number of games journalists, um, which, you know. To get favorable to reviews. Get, to get favorable reviews. So that's that came out. There was a big uh, to-do about um, journalism. And, I mean. And all the supporters of that guy who released all the information, they all attacked her right. on social media and calling her all right. these names and threatening her and really scaring yeah. the crap so that, out of her. Yeah, so that was kind of like the, the origin, the catalyst of it. I mean, um, so a lot of people are still talking about the ethics in journalism and how that's the main focus of it, but it has splintered out into something much larger being, uh, you know, how, how women are treated in, in modern culture and pop culture. And, and hasn't the whole idea that this is an effort to address a problem with ethics in video game journalism hasn't that whole theory been debunked because if yeah. that's what you were really yeah. if it's what you really had a problem with then you would have go we would have gone about expressing that problem in a different way right. than threatening to break into somebody's house and rape and, them or kill them and you know this is not this is not the way that you address an ethics issue Right. Okay. And I hate to break it to people, but in any form of journalism or in any situation when, where someone is telling you something, you, you, they, they may or may not be telling you the truth. You have to take it upon yourself to do your own research. So, uh, you know, people seem to be um, just shocked and appalled that there's there may be corruption in video game journalism. There's corruption in everything. There's cor oh, corruption yeah. in politics in the news that you watch. But you I know, think so. It, but the story about Zoe Quinn was completely unsubstantiated. There, there was there's nothing right. I mean, there was nothing to it. She was he was just he was a guy that got dumped, and decided to you know basically unleash hell upon his ex. I think the thing about Gamergate that doesn't make it just corruption or you know the kind of corruption that we expect to see is because. It's evolved into something that's that's far beyond the media. Of course, people who are in the media are, or should I say women in the media, are primarily the women who are targeted because, and I say women because I haven't heard of a guy being targeted. And uh -huh. and maybe I'm wrong and, nope. and someone actually, can please correct me on I, that. Actually, I think there, are in, I think there were instances of men, of men and women both, both, making comments about the topic and only the woman got a got an attack exactly so, i think that's really what's made this interesting if you want to use interesting and in kind of that sociological well, educational studying people kind of way and not like the oh this is exciting and cool well, and i want to see it happen from what i read online that point right there and also the fact that this movement's origin was supposedly on um, 4chan boards that were trolling, you know, women's sex lives and harassing uh, female figures sort of throws the whole. This is a this is a movement about about journalistic integrity 
that kind of goes right out the window. And so, I mean, according to the articles that I read, there is evidence that substantiates that that the movement's origins don't lie in anything like that. And I think this is easy to apply to some of the circles that, you know, maybe anime watchers and cosplay fans Mm kind of inhabit. They're they're spaces, right? Um, Friends that I talk to who attend conventions, who are big fans of cosplay, um, have talked to women who at one point were, they, they loved going in costume, now not so much because they worry about the message that it sends. Well, I've been saying for years that, I mean, I've had experiences, and, and you can listen back to the early episodes of the show where I've talked about this, where you know you have those people who are like, can I take a picture with you? And you say, sure, and somehow that gives them the right to touch you. Yeah. And, and I'm not... I'm not saying that in a way where like I harbor resentment for convention people because I don't. I love going to conventions and I love meeting people and and I love getting to know people. But I think the the problem that a lot of people have is that assumption or or the innate assumption of I'm going to touch you now. Yeah, huge surprise in order to in order to take a photo with somebody, you must touch them. <laughs> On the, the boobs camera, and the ass. The camera the doesn't hips. work. No, and I mean, I've never, I've never had someone touch me inappropriately. I know, but even in a like cosplay. Around, but but even like to have someone put their arm around your shoulder or your waist, you should still ask the person. Yeah. Or you know, make sure something like that is okay. But I don't think that's necess- this is necessarily what we're talking about, is it? So you're saying there's a presumption that if someone's wearing a skimpy costume, then immediately they don't have any personal space issues whatsoever and you can put your hands wherever they want. Well, I've I've noticed in, in the cosplay that I've done, when I've worn more revealing costumes, I'm more likely to be touched. Hmm. And I don't, again, I'm not saying that I've been, you know, abused or, or in any way, you know, shape or form or that I'm scarred or that I'm never going to wear a skimpy costume again. Because honestly, I just kind of assume that it's going to happen. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but just something, you know, people putting their hand on my hip and and taking a photo with me like that. And I'm sure I've done it before where I've thrown my arms around somebody's shoulders to take a picture with it and didn't think that I did it. So I I think it's just one of those things, though, where I've read a lot of things about female cosplayers commenting how there is that kind of feeling of am I going to be touched if I wear this am I going to be touched am I going to invite something to happen even on that little scale of someone putting their arm around me that I don't want to have happen so I mean I think I think for the female cosplayers there is sometimes an issue but I also I also don't want to paint convention people as bad because I think convention people can just be a lot more touchy-feely I've seen right. I've seen the free hugs and yeah, there's definitely that up. sort of feel to conventions that everybody's just sort of there to be really social. I guess I mean that's well, you're a- coming to a place where you're in theory everybody that's in that room is going to be accepting of your particular geekdom, mm-hmm. right? It's supposed to be an accepting environment, and so you go there and you want to interact with people, or maybe you don't, but you just are relieved to see other people who are as nerdy as you are about whatever it is you're nerdy about. But let's not forget that the folks who are in that room, we're all there, you know, because maybe more or to a greater degree or a lesser degree, there's some social anxieties or, you know, there's some, you know, 
we are a different breed. Can we all agree to that? You know, we're what? What are you talking about? Uh, am, I, am I wrong? No, I'm am, just am I, I'm just teasing. Right. We're and we and we look for solidarity, you know. But then that that search for solidarity suddenly turns into well, you know, you are awesome, and oh my God, you are. I just I just want to take my picture with you. Can I put my you know? They don't even ask. And where does the line fall? Can I can I jump ahead to kind of a little experiment that I did? I know there's another thing on our outline, and we can come back to that. But but I have a point that I want to make, and it's a point that's going to wrap into the experiment that I did. So if no one objects, before but before you make that point, I want to make I want to point out a comment that the chat's made. Huh? And the chat was talking about glomping and how glomping is not acceptable. Yeah. And glomping. Can someone is, define that term for me. Glomping please? is like it's when, when you tackle sorry, hug tackle. Ahead. What? Hug tackle. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. So like I, I've heard, I heard, I've, everybody's heard the stories from like Vic Mignogna and some and other famous voice actors where fans will come up to them and rather than being a respectful person and saying, you know, it's nice to meet you. I appreciate your work and shaking their hand like a normal person. You run up to them and like, like jump on them and like attach your body to them and kiss them on the cheek or whatever it is that the glomping entails. That also is not okay, and that's sort of... I mean, we've had voice actors share stories about people coming up and saying, hey, can I lick your face? Yeah. And they say no, and the person's legitimately disappointed. I, like, I think my main question is, I mean, how do, you, how do you teach people not to behave in these ways? I mean, it's just... it's. Well, that's so how I met people. them initially, is they were doing a workshop on how to... You know how to how to how to not be the obnoxious <laughs> geek fan, yeah. or, or that was one of the workshops they were presenting that weekend. You can educate, mm. you can teach people. Hey, look, you want to have a great convention experience, mm -hmm. or you want to have a good experience with the person you're there to meet. Here's some tips, and, okay? And you know what I've always respected? I've always just respected, and this seems so simple, but. People asking me, like I've had a lot of people come up to me at conventions and go, "Oh my God, can I hug you?" And I might say no sometimes. Sometimes it's no because maybe I'm in a really constricting costume and I don't want to have to move more than I have to move because it already hurts to breathe or something. Yeah. Or sometimes it's, I, I'm sorry, no offense, I don't know you. I don't want to yeah. touch you. I don't want you to touch me. And maybe. you're a little smelly. <laughs> and I, I do think uh, probably the reason why so many people have that, I guess just that mindset where they feel like they can go up to someone and touch them is uh, probably has a lot to do with the way uh, it's portrayed in the media, you know, in in in, in anime or in video games or in music videos or in things like that where women are uh, i don't know i guess a lack, lack of a better term i guess objectified um well, that it's it's just it's acceptable to just be like oh well i can touch you because guys i think can i can i recommend that we go back to chiaki's experiment yes. because oh, i think okay. that there's more interesting things to talk about that actually are more closely related to gamergate than glomping yeah well that was my own point that i that i brought up but i only wanted it to, it to take 25 seconds and not you know so you should know what the script is. is fascinating. <laughs> okay. okay, please go on with your <laughs> experiment. Next week's topic. So I, I did a little bit of an experiment, and and this is quite literally a little experiment. Um, I googled anime boys and anime girls, safe search off, nothing else, and I ruled out. I tried to rule out opinion things like pose or situation or clothing cut. So like what I may find to be a provocative pose, someone else might not find to be a provocative pose. I don't think that would be the case in many circumstances, but I wanted to rule that out. And I looked only at how much clothing the characters were or weren't wearing. So I made a very simple system where I had seven areas, the chest, shoulders, arms, abdomen, groin, butt, and I ruled that thongs do not count as covered in advance, just in case. 
and legs. And I screened the first 30 pictures that had from the thighs up so I could at least see if they were wearing, you know, pants or something. And for anime boys, the average was 1.4 of the seven parts were covered with, or or sorry, 1.4 of the seven parts were more than 40% bare. And what I mean by 40% is I mean like they're wearing a sheer t-shirt or it's like a little scrap of fabric or, you know, tiny bikinis for girls, things where... The fabric is there, but it's there because it's not pornography or, or whatnot. For anime girls, the average was 2.1 of the seven parts more than 40% bare. And that's just, again, off the first 30 images that I found that were from the waist up. Some of my observations were that guys had more facial photos than girls. I had a faster time finding 30 waist up or full body pictures of girls than I did guys. Guys seemed very, like, bust photos type of thing, where girls were definitely a lot more head-to-toe photos, or at least head-to, you know, calf. Guys oftentimes showed their arms, maybe their chest, kind of unsurprising. Girls most often showed their legs, arms, and their chest. Okay, so what's the, the three areas? So what's the, uh, the conclusion to the, your experiment? So one of the things that I wanted to mention with regards to this and with regards to kind of Gamergate and this subject in general, I actually, I don't even know if you guys know this about me. I actually, one of my under, my undergraduate major was on looking at media critically and studying the culture surrounding media that dictates media and how it's consumed. And so it's kind of a very sociological thing. And I did a lot of work with gender and gender whatnot. And one of the things that I really was thinking about as I was going through these photos was something called the male gaze. And this was first coined by Laura Mulvey in her essay, Visual Pleasure and the Narrative Cinema, way back in 1975. And it's used to describe when the audience is put into the perspective of a heterosexual man. And so basically women are displayed as two different levels in this theory as an erotic object for both the characters in the film or in the media, as well as the spectator and as passive to the active gaze of the man. So basically what this is, and, and where I think it comes into anime and it comes into these photos is the photos are done from a perspective and anime, I think is oftentimes done from a perspective of the person who is looking is a man. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, the vast majority of the time. And I would so say. the majority of ma- uh, the majority of narration is male. Um, main characters are male over female oftentimes. And so the females are seen as sexual entities to be hunted or or things to be owned or things to be protected more often than equals. And going back to those photos, you know, the female being shown in the full body, it's capitalizing on all of the assets, I guess you could it's say. It's interesting that you use the word protect. I'm going to bring that up again later. And where, you know, the male photos focusing on the face, the face we often see as a, a point of emotion and a point, a place of, of talking about, you know, connecting with people. So by pulling back the camera on women, we're looking at them from kind of that far away place of, I'm going to appreciate this at arm's length. I don't want, you're not my equal. I don't want to let you get too close. And I think the thing about all of this to consider and that I want to note is 
I don't hate men. I don't. I try not to hate anybody. Not even me. And, well, just depends uh, on the night. <laughs> Thank you, Felix. But I think what's important to mention about all of this is that oftentimes, and I think what people don't even realize in a lot of what's going on with Gamergate, is people don't realize how these things are happening. People are just trained subconsciously through society to look at things and interact with things and not to question those interactions because that's just what it is and how you do it. And so even girls are kind of taught this this perspective of, of looking at media through, through a masculine lens, through a male perspective. Yep. And so the thing about all of this is even the people who I would say are the quote-unquote offenders who, who look with the male gaze or something, the blame doesn't rest with them because, because that's all they've been taught. It's not a situation, it's not a black and white situation of, oh, all men are bad because they do this. Most men don't even realize they do this if they do it. So I think that's really one of the, the key things to focus on and that I think a lot of people should or, or are saying is it's not, oh, hate men because they're putting women down. It's more, what is society teaching us of how yeah. we're interacting with these characters and with these you know media uh, players? I'm looking at the posters we have behind us on the wall, and if you look at the poster, a huge number of these of these posters, which are were basically random samples. I mean, I was just taking whatever I could find in, in Akihabara or at anime cons. A lot of these a lot of these posters are basically just girls being portrayed in a very, you know, either a cute or a sexual manner. I mean, to put it bluntly. In a way that's inviting because it's marketing. You're trying to invite a particular demographic, a particular audience that you're trying to sell to, to check out your product. So how do you do that? You craft it with your audience in mind. Short skirts with a low camera angle, you know. They know their audience. Yeah, I mean, I, there you go. I do have one thing that I want to bring up, though, because it, it, it's probably the only thing that I'm torn on because um, you know personally I I don't appreciate the objectification of, in, of women you know I was raised by my mother and sister so um, you know from a very early from a very early age I've seen you know women as strong strong people that have you know whatever anyways the thing I'm trying to get at is art okay anime video games um, music even things like that are, are art so where do you draw the line in that you know art should you should be able to express yourself however you choose it's really up to the person who's viewing the art to decide whether or not you know they they want to accept that or how they want to view that so is it i mean i, I i'd almost I, I although i don't appreciate uh having ha having women viewed so, uh, viewed solely as like sex objects in, in anime let's you know since that's what we're talking about mm -hmm. i do think that it should be allowed because oh, it's, it's sure. their artistic expression. It's a matter of whether or not people choose to watch it. But I think the thing for me is to, to bring up another sociologist or, or theory that I studied. Um, I think it was Stuart Hall brought up encoding and decoding. And they talked about how someone encodes a message. So I make art, let's say. Let's mm -hmm. use that as an example. I make something and I have a certain framework that I make something in. But when I put it out into the world, the framework that you use to decode it mm -hmm. may be different from mine. So I might make something with a conscious decision 
to do something or to not do something or to comment on something or, you know, good, bad or otherwise. But when you take that message and decode it with your own sociological and cultural lens. What you bring to the table. Exactly. You might have a very different message and that's a good thing that's why two people can go to a movie and walk out and one person goes oh my god i loved it it spoke to my soul and the other person goes what are you talking about it was awful right right. so but i think the thing for me is is less about if it's happening in media because i think it will always happen in media and it has always happened in media whether it's women or minorities or men or anything and i think it's more about just recognizing the fact that it is happening and that's that's where I where I lie with it is at least saying, yes, we know this is happening. Even if we're going to do it, we know that it's there rather than shaming. And, and this is this is where I I kind of have an issue um, because the backlash, you know, I think this speaks to your point about when did feminism and being a feminist become a dirty word? Okay, because there it's not it's just in the wrong circles. But if you if you are accused or it's pointed out that you you behave in a particular way where you're appreciative of the female form, I'm, I'm going to use myself as an example. Okay, I have a Tumblr page, Eat More Geek, where the content of my Tumblr page is primarily Western comic book covers, Marvel, DC, independent comics, and cosplayers who do superhero cosplay. Okay, often. Those costumes, Miss Marvel, Witchblade, uh, anything. There's also video game characters. Um, those costumes are skimpy. Okay, those are, are they can be skimpy. All right, I I put that stuff. I look for costume that costume work that looks really really authentic. That shows a lot of craftsmanship. I look for great photography. I'm not looking. Oh, which one shows off the the most boobies, you know? Or I could see it. You know, I don't do that. Come on, Felix. I don't. But I feel like certain people would look at what I do and what I post. So you're just you're just supporting, objectifying of women, and you're just as much a pig as the next person. And shaming doesn't make things any. Oh yeah, shaming on both sides. Yeah. I feel like um, uh, recently it would seem there there's been a a wave of uh, of of militant feminists who have almost hijacked the word feminist. Yes. Um, so I and and it's really unfortunate, but can I I I'm not. Can I have an example? An example. Yes. Okay. Um, I was watching a video on YouTube recently of um a group of of uh feminists that. There was there was some kind of, it was at a college or something and they were having a uh, some kind of meeting about um, like male uh, I don't know what you would call it mas- masculinism or something like that mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a silly is a really silly thought but that's what they were having a meeting on whatever you're allowed to you know you're it's within your rights to meet about whatever you'd like and there was a group of of very angry feminists who were um, basically making it impossible for them to have their meeting. Uh, they were, you know, uh, just yelling and shouting and, uh, you know, with bullhorns or whatever those things are called yeah. and um, just ba- basically making it impossible for them to have their little meeting. And um, I-, I don't I don't know exactly what their meeting was about, but still people should be allowed to meet about whatever they'd like. And uh, I mean, you can just Google it. Look it up on YouTube. Yeah. There's tons of videos of, of uh, protests and things like that. Um, I have a personal example that I okay. could offer. Sure. Um, two people that I know who uh, 
used to be very good friends are no longer friends anymore, and it was because of this issue. One of them, you know, just by birth, and it was it's her body, and it, it was just had one breast that was larger than the other, noticeably so, to the point where you had to uh, have clothing adjustments, mm. right? She had cosmetic surgery. She had a boob job, mm. you know, to equal things out. So she would feel better about herself. You know, it wasn't a matter that she wanted to wear certain bras and dress more revealingly. It was an aesthetic issue that was affecting her self-confidence, that was affecting her ability to project positively to other people. You know, and she had done. The other friend ended their friendship. Basically, you know, screamed at her for supporting and patronizing the patriarchal, you know, male status quo and supporting the the male, you know, objectification and ideologic uh, idealization of a certain female figure. Um, had such an such an, an ethical took such an ethical and moral high horse stance on what she did that refused to speak to her ever again. You yeah. know, and and that's that is a militant. That is an extreme, fanatical. Uh, complete utter right. lack of yeah. empathy you know for somebody else's situation is very real yeah there's there's all kinds of stuff out there i remember recently i saw this thing it was like uh like 20 ways to know that you might be a rapist and it was something that was basically like if you've ever looked at a woman and thought that you'd like to have sex with her you're a rapist oh, and it was like uh, written by some militant <laughs> feminist it was like if you've ever and it was just this long list of just stuff that every straight male has done but here's here's the thing that that i want to bring into question and i'm not disagreeing with you guys i think those people are crazy just as i think anyone who's militant is crazy but that's kind of my thing and and what i think is curious is because you have people who are militant about just about any issue you have people who are militant christians and you have people who are you know, militant Republicans and militant gam- Democrats and militant about gun rights on militant both sides. Militant vegetarians. Militant vegetarian. You know, <laughs> crossfitters. You, you have <laughs> oh, God. militant crossfitters. They're all, they're all like, militants. You know what? <laughs> you know about crossfitters is they'll never let you forget that they're crossfitters. Yeah. They're like but, vegans. Yeah, that's how you know they're a crossfitter. They'll tell you. <laughs> they'll tell you all the time. But the thing, my point is, is that, and I think we all agree, and we all know, there's militant extremist people who are the minority in anything right but the thing for me is that that i think is interesting maybe in a bit of a sad way is i feel like and this is just my opinion i feel like with feminism like there are militant christians but no one gets flack for being a christian if you say i'm a christian no one goes oh so you're one of those westboro people who goes to goes to people's funerals and and protests and you're awful no one you haven't been around the right people. <laughs> I know people who do that. Who do you say you say the word that you're Christian, and, and immediately the, this impression forms. Oh, I, I, I know they do. Yeah. But is that the norm? If you asked certain Christians, they'd say it was that they're being persecuted, that they're being you know marginalized and and mocked for their beliefs. It, it's all a matter right. of perspective. It is a matter of perspective. But I think the media, and I feel like the my opinion of the social landscape is that. The word feminism and being a feminist is people will automatically stray toward the extreme side of that more than other issues. That because have, they don't understand what it really means. People. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was saying is I feel like that word has been hijacked by those yes. militant yeah. feminists. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there was actually another uh, person whose videos I was watching online, and uh, I believe her channel is called. Um, oh, what I just I just looked it up. What was it? It was a uh, factual feminism, and uh, it was this um, older lady who was just talking about the differences between, uh, you know, what's going on now with GamerGate and the differences between what these quote militant feminists are are putting forth and what real feminism is. And I mean, all of her views were I mean were spot on. I mean, it was you know about equality and and all of that as opposed to the um as opposed to putting down the other the other gender yeah so it was, it was it's not about man hating it's it's about right. equality it's right. about yeah. being you know and and crafting entertainment for more than just one audience right because right. that's that's what gamergate is seen as a you know the people are claiming that it's an, a movement in terms of ethics and morality it's hiding uh, a battle against that culture being opened up to other people aside from white boys of a certain age. And that, and I'm glad you brought that up because it is really, I think what, what all of this is about and what even the male gaze and stuff is about. And, and you heard in the definition, I said heterosexual yeah. male. It's, it's not just about men and women. It's about people of different sexualities, people of different creeds, people of different ethnicities, and it, it encompasses all of that into it. And, and I feel like with anime, anime is inherently, you know, we've talked about it before, Japan is 99.8 or something percent native Japanese in Japan. Mm -hmm. So when they make something, it's going to be 99.8% of the time from a Japanese perspective, because right. that's what their audience is. It's not as much like here in America, where we have a lot of other viewpoints to kind of take it from. And I think there is kind of that, maybe a little bit of a disconnect, and as I said, with encoding and decoding, with something taking it from, you know, Japan and from that native Japanese culture and decoding it as an American and watching it as an American, because I think we'll look at it. And, and maybe some people do say, well, why... Why isn't there more people of color in anime or something? And it's, I mean, I hate to put it like this, but there aren't really people of color in Japan. I mean, there just really aren't that many. Very few. And so it's one of those things where, you know, you, you, you talk from a perspective that you know, and I, and I get that and I'm willing to give some leeway for it. But I think that's also one of the reasons why um, Cram and I talked about this briefly. We love the show Free because it was totally in the left field. It was... It was a female gaze. We looked at that show and went, man boobies. And enjoyed <laughs> it for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it can go both ways. Wait, what does it mean if I really like that show then? I do. Man boobies. Uh, it was a good show. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't I, just man boobies. I think we all, I think we all understand the, uh, the perspective that an anime like Free, you know, is intended to be, you know, from maybe the feminine gaze, you know, so to speak. But I think that, in addition to looking at Japan as a country of, of very little racial diversity, you also have to look at Japan in terms of the gender equality and how the gender equality in Japan translates to anime. I looked it up online, a, an index, there's an index for everything in the world, and an index published by the World Economic Forum put Japan 105th in the world as a country in terms of gender equality, 105th. And it, they fell right between Cambodia in Nigeria. So At Nigeria where they still practice ritual yeah. Yeah. Uh, genitalia mutilation. So if you were to say, 
If you were of to women, if, yeah. a large percent of them still do. If you were to put Cambodia, Nigeria, and Japan in a in a grouping, only one of those countries seems a little bit out of place, and that's Japan, because we don't think of Japan in the same grouping as a country like a Nigeria. Third world country? Yeah, you think of it very civil. Right. Yeah. But but Japan is not quite as progressive in terms of its gender in terms of its gender equality, and I think that this translates to anime a lot because unlike Unlike America, where we have these scandals and 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 and, and um, you know gender rights and things like Gamergate come up and are a huge topic, no one in Japan and I shouldn't say no one, but it's not it's not an issue in Japan. Like, how yeah. prevalent are the voices in Japan, I mean, native to Japan, that are fighting for greater representation of, of yeah, female tastes the, in media, in literature? I mean, um, I it's. Sorry, it's getting better in Japan, and that's part of the the movement of that's causing the birth rate to drop because women are going back to work and they're they're determined to be equal to men and in, in, in everything, including the workplace. But Japan is not is not progressive the way that the West is, and I think that if you looked at anime and put anime up against other mediums like cartoons in America, for example, you would find that that anime is extremely gender imbalanced. I mean, the entire concept of and I wanted to get this in here, even though we're running out of time. The entire concept of the Moe movement, Moe fits as perfectly into this discussion as anything. The word Moe comes from the word to bloom, Moedu in Japanese, and if you look it up online, you will in every definition of it, you will find that Moe is about little girls that amongst other things, men, particularly men, want to protect and cherish. That is literally like taking these girls in these animes and turning them, to in, turning them into like music boxes or a pile of gold or something like that. And a pile of gold. Nice. It's something to be put inside your pocket. An it, object. Yeah. You're taking like a young girl and you're literally equating her to like a roll of quarters. She's just something to be put into your pocket and polished. Now I will say all of this being said and I think we can all be in agreement that we don't appreciate um, anime or media in general that does objectify women in, these man- in this manner. All this being said, I, I still want to say I feel like our, our b- people have the artistic right to create whatever they'd like. Oh, so yeah. I, I'm not, uh, like for me personally, We're I'm not, not saying... advocating censorship here. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm not no, saying I'm not that either. they shouldn't be allowed to make these anime. I'm just saying it's up to the consumer to, you know, elevate their consciousness to a point where they don't want to con- consume this, 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 this anime or this media. Well, I think... Can we agree, though, that the consumer shouldn't have a right to to threaten and harass and shame the others who right. uh, who find it who find the uh, the overwhelming amount of political correctness you know who find more and more programming not catered to them offensive so yeah. they go after people hiding behind the internet we can all agree that that's not oh, yeah. right and that's and that's the thing that that scares me about Gamergate. And when I first heard that we were going to talk about it, you know, I had that moment in the back of my head where I'm no Felicia Day. I'm not delusional about that fact. But I had that moment where I went, okay, I'm a female on a fairly long standing podcast that operates in these circles. And I'm going to talk about these issues and use it you know, with the this word Gamergate, and it's kind of scary. It's scary for all of it's us. It's a little scary because I don't want people to hack into my computer because, like I said before, with my big old asterisks, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate men. I love men, literally and figuratively. 
I like the existence of men quite a lot. <laughs> we, but we don't really have any a whole lot more time to talk about this, and we could probably use an entire second hour. But I was talking with uh, Peter Payne, the owner of JList.com, on Twitter a couple, about a, about a month ago, and we were talking about you know how JList got started and things like that. And he was literally talking to me about how JList started and how they've capitalized on various movements in anime and how the Moe movement, I'm getting back to Moe again, but how the Moe movement literally helped to save anime when it was starting to decline some decades ago. And the Moe movement helped to helped to buoy an anime industry through merchandising. Well, and it goes, it, it, sex sells. That, yeah. that old adage is true, and Moe is a form of sexualization. I mean, yeah. it goes back to that whole, you know, the the term porn or pornography gets thrown around lightly, but you can make anything pornographic. I mean, the idea of quote unquote food porn, yep. like it's a joke, but oh, you can I, really I make that. Porn. I want, to, I, I do. Too. I want to. I repost food porn on my Twitter feed all I wanna, the time. I want to sow the seeds for a future podcast episode about food porn. No, is there such oh. thing as beer porn? Because I'm all over that. Craft beer. Porn? How about but, coffee oh, porn? Yeah. But oh, see, that's yeah. that's it's my hops. thing is, is you can you know, make <laughs> sweet sweet hops. You can make anything okay. pornographic right, if right. you. Let me, let me try this again. <laughs> I want to try to sow the seeds for a future podcast episode, and that is that I would argue that this topic of GamerGate and the sexualization of women is so deeply ingrained in anime culture that without it, anime cannot exist. Would the entire anime industry tank? And literally crumble if we took the sexualization out of the industry. I think and that's out of the a fear. I think that's a fear that the old guard may have, and it's not enough faith in more diverse audiences buying into and and wanting content that's geared towards a different, a different gender, a different orientation. Um, that's what I would argue on that future episode. But I think it's it. interesting. I think I would love to somehow get my hands on a some kind of a uh, a a uh, economic study that studies the anime industry in Japan and find out how much of them how much of the total revenue from the industry is based off of these types of goods. You know, what percentage of anime needs to have this sexualization of women? Will the will the gender equality movement in Japan will that alone kill anime? Like when women rise up gradually and become equal more more equal to men in Japan, does anime does anime just crumble? I think I it mean, depends on if the market changes because even if even if quote unquote women rise up or or however you want to I even hesitate to say it like that cuz that makes it sound like we're fighting or whatever but but it, even if that Are they not fighting? I I don't view it as a battle because I don't view it as there's a quote unquote a singular winner. I I view it as something where we're all striving to make ourselves as better people no matter what, again, our, our gender, race, creed, nationality, religion, whatever. But I kind of view it as one of those, even if you have a perfectly equal society, if you have a medium that's being consumed by a very small niche of that society, it's going to keep it alive. I think that's going to be a future debate on this, talk, on this podcast. I just want to say, you verbalized the fear of the Gamergate people that you know, you're going to get rid of of the stuff that objectifies, quote-unquote, you're going to get rid of the fun stuff, so it's all going to be ruined, and it's all going to be, you know, and, and no, I don't want that. I want my porn. Don't take my porn away. You know, it, it's that mentality, that that very irrational fear that you're going to take my favorite toy away. Does, that, does everybody want to make a last comment? Because if we don't end this topic, we're never going to get our impressions done. Sure. Okay. 
I made my last stop. That was that okay. Was you don't want him to take your porn away. Well, no, but <laughs> I, I don't think I could do any better than that. Who wants their porn taken away? I mean, really. Uh, okay, I guess uh, my last point will be, um, although I, as I've mentioned a, num- a couple of times here, although I do feel that art is sacred in a way and that you should be allowed to create whatever art you'd like to create, um, I do also feel that um, it is important as we move forward as a people that um, there is equality and that we uh, try to, uh, I, don't, I don't know, take it upon ourselves as consumers to not partake of, of, of things that would put another person or another group of people down. And that's that. I think my final thought, other than please don't hack into my computer, anonymous people ever. You can hack into um, mine, but you're going to see some stuff you don't want to see. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Awesome. Don't, don't challenge them. Um... No, I think I think for me, what it comes down to, and I say this a lot, and I feel like no matter how often I say it, I can always say it again, even if it's just on my tiny little soapbox in my corner of the universe. Just be nice to people. Treat other people like humans. You know, I think it was, I think it's Voltaire who said it originally, the, I may not agree with what you have to, to say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Like, just treat other people with the humanity that you want to be treated with, even if they don't ha- share the same viewpoint. So just because someone says they're a feminist or supports people in Gamergate, that doesn't give you the right to go hack into their computer or to their life or treat them differently. Just as someone who says, you know, I'm a Democrat, not a Republican or vice versa. So that's my final thought be nice be good people go i say people i say we start a new movement no longer feminist or masculinist equalist how about that one (laughs) you know that that? that's originally what feminist was it just got tainted so yeah let's go equalist equalist. let's make a new word (laughs) awesome let's go look at some food porn yeah Yeah. (laughs) equalist for the food porn all right I feel like that topic rambled but you know we'll we'll see how it comes out on the the recording end so now we have some impressions on Gundam, Shigatsu wa Kimi no Uso, Cross Ange, Nanatsu no Taizai, and Inobatu wa Nichijouke no Nakade. So stay tuned, everyone, and we'll be back. Hey everyone, this is Chiaki, and this is your Anime News Break. First up, for those of you who are fans of things a little more retro, Enski has a lineup of lace bracelets that featured a number of things before, from Studio Ghibli to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and now they're going all the way back to Nintendo. Their bracelets featuring Pokemon and Mario. You can have them available in February 2015 for a very reasonable 1,080 yen, which is just under 10 US dollars a piece. In other news, if you wanted to see Studio Ghibli's new film, The Tale of Princess Kaguya, but didn't think it was coming to a theater near you, well, it's time to check again. G-Kids has recently expanded the list of theaters that it will be showing in to 29 theaters throughout the United States. Future showings are listed through December 19th. So far, the film's total gross is $244,000. 
In other news, for those of you who are fans of the Yoamushi Pedal franchise, there's a lot of new merchandise for you to check out. First of all, Ban Presto has a complete set of Soku and Hakone finger puppets. Six are scheduled to come out in April of 15 and six more in May of 15. If finger puppets don't do it for you, perhaps tote bags will. Or if you need something to attach to those tote bags, in February of 2015, there's a whole bunch of Yoamushi pedal keychain plushies that are scheduled for release. In other news, if you can't wait any longer for more parts of the Attack on Titan franchise, well, you should go to YouTube right now and search for Japan's Battleship Island. The reason why I'm telling you to look for that is because it's Japan Hashima Island, and it's one of the filming sites for the upcoming Attack on Titan live-action films. The video shows many of the dilapidated buildings and now abandoned places that will be featured in the film. The feature on YouTube won't disappoint as it was filmed in 4K resolution, so you can see every detail as it may appear in the film coming out next year. And finally, for those of you who are fans of visual novels, North American visual novel distributor Sekai Project has announced that it is planning to release an English version of visual arts key game Clonade via Steam. They want to crowdfund the project on Kickstarter with a goal of $100,000 for the Steam release and a stretch goal of $140,000 for a physical release. There is no timetable for the project, so we don't even know when it would happen if it gets its funding, but they want to bring it to Steam full with voices. This is Chiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. And we're back to the last segment of the 252nd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Oh, yeah. Making your anime addiction worse by watching all the latest anime from this season. This is the last pile of impressions. It is the last pile of impressions. How many do we have left to pass? I think it's two, right? We have two. So we have five anime to give impressions on, and two of these will pass. Three are destined to fail. Dun, dun, dun. Does the chat know who the, w- which two will pass, I wonder? Uh, I don't know. We could start asking start the chat. The chat? But. Well, I can't pull the chat anymore because we're because now we're on YouTube. But we'll hear what they have to say. So, so Felix, um, you have three tonight. Yeah. So do you want to get this busy started? Man. Saved all of mine for the one night when I could come in, and I appreciate that. Well, uh, let's start with the one that I was the most excited to watch because I am a Gundam fan. I own Gundam models. There's even uh, a Gundam that's very near and dear to my heart on our desk right now. I'm looking right at it. Um, Gundam Wing, um, or Zero One. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big fan of certain series. Now, there have been Gundam series that I haven't been a fan of, and in recent years, I haven't seen uh, more. Um, more recent entries into the franchise. So I was excited to watch. Uh, Reconquista in G, and wow, 
what a steaming pile of awesome of no <laughs> of not awesome oh. of this this was historically not awesome okay i i have i have never seen and you guys obviously watch a lot more anime than i do so the things that i may be describing in this series would be like oh yeah another one of those mm. i have never seen in any series gundam or other a show that was presented in a more incoherent manner, that there was so much backstory and information. I mean, we're talking about a we're talking about a Gundam that's set about a century after the Universal Century, which is where most of the of the Gundam right. series are set. Aside from Zero, and uh, I don't think Seed is set in the in the Universal Century. Um, G Gundam is not definitely not set in the Universal Century, um, but where. Original Mobile Suit Gundam and Zeta Gundam and Double Zeta. Mm -hmm. um, all those series were set in the Universal Century. So in this new one, you know, this, is, this is maybe 75 years, 100 years after the Universal Century, all the culture has changed. Okay. Right? There's this, uh, everything revolves around a space elevator uh, that the military guards, there's a whole religion space built Space elevator? Yes. A, 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 um, a man-made device... You know, and I've seen this theorized in, in contemporary science okay. where um, you know, the, a, a device is built, a gigantic device is built that can literally funnel resources from space, like from asteroids, metals, and whatnot, down to Earth's surface. And it's a gigantic elevator, right? And it can be used to move people, to move colonists, to move raw materials, it's, whatever. It's, to my understanding, it's not the first time Gundam's had that, this kind of like a... Ground to space elevator or whatever. Sure, I, I I don't I don't dispute that because I, as I said I haven't seen every single entry into the franchise. You know my the where my head first went. My ears pop when I'm on elevators that go yeah. up to like very tall buildings. Yep. Could you imagine being on an elevator going into space? Like I know can it would you, be yeah, pressurized. Can you, pressurized and stuff, can, you but imagine, like... can you imagine the sway, the, the like the the the, the horizontal sway from the wind? From the oh, okay, well, I mean that's actually written into the script, right? Okay, and so I'm seeing that concept. Okay, that's that's interesting. That's innovative. But they're built a whole religion, a, a cultural religion around materials coming from space. And, and, and they're throwing all of these concepts about and how much society has changed and, and is uh, built around this stuff always coming back and forth from the space elevator and the people who are assigned to protect it, people who are, who are trained, the Capitol Army versus the Capitol Police, um, all these different groups and different uniforms. And you have the main character, Beryl Zanam, who is a young man, who is a very talented young pilot, who is... Who's, Mother is a, is a very important officer in the, the Capitol Guard that protects the space elevator. He's so eager to start his duties. And they're learning about this. And all of a sudden, this cheerleading troop comes yeah. running into the middle of their lesson and is cheering. And everyone says, you got to get out of here. And then one of the cheerleaders gets kicked, you know, because they're stowaways aboard the space elevator. And then, as that's being dealt with, suddenly there appears a Gundam. So I'm still stuck on the space elevator thing. I'm sorry. I gotta. Is You're it still like wrapping your head around it, this thing? Wh okay. Why do they need an elevator if they have Gundam and all kinds of well, that's the thing. Mech and the, space the, shuttles and the mobile suit technology. Is it like a slow like el like is it or is no, it like some suction fast. tube that? Well, that's I'm still thing. stuck just, on this. Just think of when you go to the bank. What kind of elevator? Like 
is this? Well, let me let me also talk about because you mentioned the gun. They have Gundams. They have the robots. Okay. The the mecha that the Capital Guard use are very very primitive. They're basically just worker mechs. Okay. There are none of the combatant mecha that we've seen in the previous century. But this is a hundred years after the. Yes. So they should have. Far more advanced. Unless the wars were so destructive that they abandoned all that technology, which we Has don't. Has anyone like, found were, the ancient technology they were, yet? They were like, guys, guys, we gotta stop with this with these Gundams. I mean, we're killing people. The next move, elevators. Yeah, <laughs> we're going old school. So, <laughs> how harmful can an elevator be? No, but you can't kill scene, someone with an elevator. There's one scene in the second episode where they they stumble onto some old Zaku's and some things, and they look relics of a previous era, and then that's uh, it's over. But this Gundam appears. And they don't. Nobody recognizes it as a Gundam. It's we've never seen they're a like, mobile suit like they're that. They're like, this is a w- really weird looking elevator. And <laughs> you're really stuck <laughs> on this sorry. elevator. He, he really is. You're gonna have to watch this for yourself and see if if the elevator is worth all this attention. I just want to watch the elevator. And the um, the Gundam. They, it's never referred to as a Gundam, or at least not in the first three episodes. The pilot of the Gundam just calls it the G Self. And she's the only one who thinks she can pilot it. She's the only one who can pilot it until our hero, Bellary, accidentally, you know, is able to pilot the thing. Is it is it just me or does the G self kind of sound like something you might find on the more adult sections? Yeah. Like jlist.com. It, it's, Welcome it, to G Cell. <laughs> are, are you are you seeing all these ridiculous concepts and they're throwing all of this at you and how, just hoping something will stick? I've it's, got it, I've got an incredibly important question. Uh-oh. How far into space does this elevator go? <laughs> because I need to know. Um, <laughs> does just, it go to the moon? Uh, the, no, it doesn't go as far as the moon. It goes into the uh, the the upper stratosphere. And then it just dumps you into space. <laughs> Well, like ships, like ships dock with it, and mobile suits dock with it, and they bring their materials to it. Okay. Okay, we're <laughs> devoting entirely too much time to that I'm one sorry, concept. I'm sorry. Yep. But what I'm saying is, is that the show is poorly organized. Okay, aesthetically, it looks cheap. The intro looks cheap. The animation looks cheap, and the fight scenes that we get to see look like recycled over and over again. It looks like somebody took took. Quality of the just imagine the worst animated Pokemon series you've ever seen, the most cheaply done Pokemon series you've ever seen, slapped a Gundam logo on it. Okay, and and the depth of the storytelling, the depth of the characterization is about on par. Now, I've seen other podcast shows that have gone deeper into this, this show, apparently, have seen more of it and say it gets better. But based on the first episode alone, I was ready to fail this thing. Mm-hmm. I sat through three episodes. It, it is. It, I want that hour and a half of my life back. I really, really do. And I don't know how to get it back. You won't. If you Welcome drink enough, to the AA podcast. I, I, then I, eventually, it, time will stand still. Eventually, maybe a Gundam series will come out that is worth my time. Well, again. My understanding is that this was the first Tomino anime that came out in quite a long time. and um, that How long does it take to get into space? That's what I want to know. I mean, this elevator has got to take forever. <laughs> dude, Kazuo. I'm sorry. Let it go, dude. They showed this anime. The elevator goes into space. Would we like to have real information about the Gundam show? Uh, sorry, go ahead. So... 
my my impression of this show was sort of tainted right off the bat because they did a, from my understanding, a preview of the anime in Japanese theaters, and the and the immediate impression of the show was that there was a lot of misogyny in the anime because of things that happened in the in the beginning couple episodes of of this Gundam Recon and G or whatever, and I watched I watched only the first episode of the anime. And there were so many things that, like, I know I was sort of, my mind was sort of geared to look for that, but we had female cheerleaders cheering on an entirely male cast of Gundam pilots. We had, like, military police literally punching and kicking women and telling them to get out of the space area or whatever and quit quote-unquote husband hunting. It was really terrible. Like, there was a lot of stuff that I think was sort of, and I, I've heard people argue, oh, there's strong female characters in this anime, and, um, you know, so it can't be misogyny, but what was that comment you made earlier, Chiaki? Oh, well, I just made it's the comment. It's not a tally. It's not a tally. It's not like you can be like, okay, so we had three girls that we punched in the face and locked in the closet, but we had four girls who were strong, independent women. So don't worry. It's okay. No, really, we probably shouldn't be locking anyone so, in the closet. So <laughs> Girls, if, boys, you know, anything. So if the elevator travels at the speed of sound, <laughs> then would the sonic boom just kill everybody in the elevator? So, I want to address I mean, a comment in the chat. They were talking about Gundam Unicorn, which I, I have not seen. And to, it was pretty, but meh. This isn't even pretty to look at. Can I tell you, they ruined, the, they ruined the Gundam itself? What... what what is the advantage of of demasculization? Uh, that's the wrong word. Um, they made the face of the Gundam robot look like a child. What? You know, it doesn't it doesn't have the the, the sharp angles anymore to make it look fearsome. It looks wide eyed. You know, it it, it looks moed. Hmm. Uh, and 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 I couldn't think. Why would you do that? You know, who who asked for that on the in the focus group? You know, Ted. You know, let's let's make the next Gundam series. Let's make the face of the Gundam friendlier. You know what? And that's exactly <laughs> well. I think we're running out of time for the impression, but I I also heard that um people were bitching about this anime because of the comments you've made about the plot, and from what from what I've heard, it's sort of a very very slowly unraveling story. Like, they sort of expect you to... They don't hand-feed you things. They expect you to kind of stick with it for 30 episodes and then get the information, like, fed you little by little. But I kind of get that it probably doesn't make any sense whatsoever after three episodes. But I'm sorry. That's that's a little too much of an investment to ask. It's a little too much faith, you know, to... We, we have lives. You know, there are other things I out there you. that we'd like to watch that's going to get my attention a little bit quicker. I'm not asking for... Because I understand... You know, oh, not being spoon-fed things. I understand giving things patience to unfold. But there has, there's a reasonable point beyond which you say, no, I've already invested too much time and effort into this, and it's dumb. Should I give you the Gandalf? The, the what? You should. That's awesome. So. I thought you'd like that. Yes. Yes. You know what will grab you within the first couple episodes? By the balls. Uh, balls of steel. Don't make me find that sound clip. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the balls are inert, but you guys probably don't know that one, do you? What? Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. okay. So. Piccolo. What? Piccolo. He says it. Really? <laughs> yeah, he says. 
Gohan's like, well, can't we just find the Dragon Balls? And he's like, no, we, the, the balls are inert. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You can see a doctor about that. That's All right. So you know what will grab you in the first couple episodes, Felix? Uh, ooh, I know. What? A, a creepy person at a con when you're dressed scantily. Maybe. Super creepy Rob Lowe? He'll grab you. <laughs> Super creepy <laughs> I love Rob that. Lowe. I love that commercial. I love that too. No, the best anime of the season will. And the anime that I'm going to be talking about actually has a name other what? than the best anime of the season. Denki Gai no Honya-san? No. Oh, oh we and failed that one. Never mind. We did. <laughs> it can't have that name because the best anime of the season is Parasite. But, uh... And it's Shigatsuwa Kimi no Uso. Or I've heard it translated as, what is it? Your Lie in April? I mm. My feeling from the show, if, just if I were going to do a quick cr- translation, it would be more like You Are April's Lie. But I'll get into that. Yeah, things can't really so, translate one-to-one. Yeah, exactly. So Your Lie in April is... Oh my god, where do I start? Okay, it, it's based off of a manga published by Kodansha. It's actually demog- uh, has a shonen demographic as its official demographic. It started in 2011, has 10 volumes, and is currently unfinished. The anime Shigatsuwa Kimi no Uso is on Wikipedia. They have the studio as A1 Pictures. But on, what is this, my anime list, they have the producers as Anaplex, Densu, A1 Pictures, Kodansha, Fuji TV, and Anaplex of America. So there are a lot of names somehow attached to this show. And, oh my god, it is so pretty. Oh, this show is just beautiful to watch. Just fail it now. I know you're going to fail it. It's so pretty to look at. This show is like one of those shows where everything glitters and everything is gorgeously colored and things move and still images are like mini works of art at various points. Kind of like Gundam Recon. Exactly like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The director is Ichiguro Kyohei and Ichiguro-san... Actually, he hasn't really directed much of anything. Uh, the only other thing he's been the director on is Danshi Tomo, which I don't know anything about. So really, I would say this is probably just as much of his de- directorial debut. And so far, he's doing an excellent job. But I don't know who to credit it to, if it's him or if it it's... Was me. Oh, oh, so it's Kazuo. Yeah, I just didn't want to, you know, take credit. I'm just trying to be humble. Yeah. You know, that, that is the, the, the Japanese way. So the story follows the main character, Kosei Arima. And Arima-kun is, was a child prodigy at the piano. And you learn very quickly that his mother raised him to kind of be this child prodigy. He practiced multiple hours every day. And that was his life. And his mother was very traditional. You stick to the music. You stick to the score. The composer put everything you need. Don't go off track. You have to practice. And and it definitely became one of those things where she was very aggressive with his successes. She was like, you know, the piano, the concert hall, this is your workplace. You're here to work and you're here to do well. And at I, first, I feel like I should play some like, some like Beethoven uh, sonata or something do while it. you're doing this. So, at first, your initial reaction to that would be, oh, he kind of resents his mother for all of that. Like, she was overbearing, and she, you know, didn't let him have a life. But you find out in the first three episodes that there's there's a really impactful scene where he has a moment where, you know, she's 
she actually abuses him or there's there's signs of abuse you know there are bruises and that kind of thing and he has a moment where he says okay i'll practice harder because he has that kind of in, in internal monologue of i'll do anything to make mom better so she's sick and you know him being a little kid he's thinking that if he achieves this it's going to make her better and it's going to make her healthy and that's what he really wants to do with all of this of course his mother dies and we find out oh i think it's in the first three episodes it might be the fourth um we find out within these first three or four episodes that the he can't hear the music anymore is kind of he has like an anxiety about it where he can no longer his brain will you know filter out the music coming from the piano and he hasn't touched the piano in years so one of his friends um brings him along on kind of this she's setting up two of their two two of her other mutual friends and she wants him to come along so it's not awkward so she's not the third wheel and he's like okay fine i agree and the person that um the person that Sawabe, uh, Subaki Sawabe is her name. And the person that she's setting up is Byota Watari. And Watari is a childhood friend of Kosei. And he's like the jock type, basically. And, sh- and Sawabe is setting him up with uh, Kaori Miyazono. And Kaori is a violinist. And so they go to her violin rehearsal in those first two or three episodes. And... You, she's very free-spirited, she doesn't pay attention to the music, and she's all about her music making an impact on people. It's not about winning a competition for her or progressing as, a, as an artist. It's about delivering a performance and touching people with her music that they won't forget every time she goes on stage. And so, of course, for Kose, this is a very different way of approaching music. And by the end of the third episode... Um, she asks him to be her accompanist. And we don't really know 100% what's motivating her, but kind of in, in a good way, I would say. One of the things I can really praise this anime for is that the writing is phenomenal. I wrote some quotes down, and I realize these are translated um, subtitles, but some of the... Some of the moments that you have is you have this moment where she's coming out of her, she's coming out of her recital and she's running over to the group of people and it's, it's Kosei and um, Watari the jock who, you know, is being set up by Sawabe who's also there. And he's like, it's a scene from a movie. The girl coming out of her performance, bobbing and weaving through the crowd, going to meet her friends and... It's just like a scene out of a movie, except for I only played friend A. And so it's moments like that that really make this anime really impactful. Or other quotes that I wrote down, love is finding the person who gives your world color. Um, It's only natural for the girl you're crushing on to be in love with someone else. Since you love her, she sparkles in your eyes, and that's why people fall so irrationally in love. Um, So it's, it's really the the writing at a lot of times is almost poetic and i heard another podcast saying that they didn't like the writing because they knew that there was going to be like a childhood friend character that was going to get like their heart broken at the end of it or something 
Why would they not like the writing for that reason? I guess it was seem predictable. Do you do you feel like that's going to definitely happen in the story? I mean, I think they've already foreshadowed it, and and this might be expanding closer to episodes four and five, but it's projected to be a twenty-two episode show. So twenty-two, yes, kind of weird. Um, so maybe it's not that big of a deal. Um, but it's probably not. I decided to mention it. Yeah, but I mean, we already we've already kind of learned within the first five episodes. I think it's very briefly touched on within the first three that um, Kaori Miyazono is sick. And I feel like it's already kind of foreshadowed, you know, Kose Arima lost his mother to an illness and, you know, now he's connecting with this other person through music. And you're kind of, I don't think it would be a surprise to expect that you're getting set up for him to go through another hardship like that. But I mean, I don't see it necessarily as predictable. I, like I said, I found it very poetic and beautiful in its foreshadowing. So, so... I'm guessing you like this one. Yeah, put it on the space elevator and <laughs> send it to the past land. Which awesome. The, which the this chat... Whole, this whole time I'm trying not to laugh because the chat's oh, just... Oh, I know. Like, I saw you. blowing up with space, space elevator. <laughs> space elevator puns. <laughs> it's awesome. Space elevator. What goes up? That was one of my contributions. You just know the elevator's going to get blown up at some point. It's, it's going to happen. It's kind of a dumb idea anyway. <laughs> anyway. I mean, I think... I think uh, one more with the writing that I didn't that I didn't mention, and I'll just it's stuff like this that I can see where they're saying. Um, one of my last quotes is, "Sure, I can hear at first talking about Kose talking about the music, but somewhere along the way, the more I, co- I concentrate, the more I get consumed by my performance. The sounds I play fade away from my reach, tangling up like flowers seized by the spring wind and vanish." So it fails, right? Um, yes. With okay. The utmost sarcasm. All right, so um, Felix. Yes. You're next anime. I'm, I'm up again. Woo! Funny that we decided to talk about objectification. It's well, you're one for one so far. Because uh, now it's time to talk about Cross Ange. Cross Ange. Cross Ange. Are, okay. Are there any space elevators in this no, anime? No. No, there are Damn. no space elevators. But right. I, I posed this question to you all, and I posed this to you uh, off, off air, I think before you got here, um, was uh, is there... A better way. Can you imagine a better way to package a series mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for? I'm, I'm looking into my mind's eye. Right. Okay. Continue. For thirty, you know the the nine to fourteen year old demographic. Right. Okay. Okay. Then giant robots. Right. So far. Dragons. So yes. And scantily clad pilots. Who, when they are not flying the Mecca, have lesbian sex scenes? Wait, wait, what age group did we say? The the it's uh it's middle schoolers. We're looking at uh it's sixth to eighth How grade in, in the U S. Bapping. Um, you've never you've okay, never actually okay. seen real boobies before. You've just seen them in magazines. Wait, by middle school? Yeah, by middle school. Uh, I beg to differ. Oh, okay. Maybe <laughs> you, you personally, <laughs> just... you personally, but you know, um. But uh, maybe I'm, I'm going back to, to my no, I'm time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, Cross Ange has to be. And this, I watched the first two episodes of it, and I was so furious with how over the top and absurd every single opportunity the animators had 
to put the camera angle in the in the girl's crotch or looking down the cleavage. Every single one. And I thought my opinion of the series was bad then. Mm-hmm. But then, today, I ended up watching three more episodes of it. God. Yes, what? and and here's and I found myself even more frustrated because the storyline and the character development actually started to get interesting, but every moment I found, okay, I could possibly oh we've got more boobies Oof. oh we've got Bubbies. another uh, another threesome the tatas um and uh, it's it's just so so over the top and gratuitous and insulting but let's talk about the premise behind this show mm-hmm. okay I, I do want to give some other uh, than boobies right there is a premise here there there is there is a storyline here <laughs> okay. okay cross Ange uh, is set on a uh, utopia type earth with um, no space elevators no space elevators okay Ridiculous. war Famine, disease, all of these things have been you eliminated know, from human culture. They probably wouldn't have. Well, they, well, okay, okay. I was gonna say they probably wouldn't have war and famine if there were space elevators. Well, they don't. Oh they my don't god! Need, they don't need That's space how you elevators. Think I'm going to kill you. That is, <laughs> they don't. They don't need space elevators because they have mana. Okay. Do they Everyone, use the mana to make space elevators. They oh use god. the mana to, uh, you know, to fix things. You know, like in, the space elevator. Well, they don't ever build one. But if they had one, they would use mana to fix it. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. So I'm with you. Right? Um, mana is what everyone in polite society is reliant upon. It is what they've built their entire society, their religion, their culture around. Okay. The main character in the series, uh, her, she begins, we get to know her as the Princess Angelis, who is the daughter of the ruling family. And, and when she reaches age, she will become the next ruler of the empire. Well, Hey, um, you know that's kind of nice to see. She gets to become the ruler yeah. rather than being married off. Or well, no, no, no. She was. She was going. To, she was a princess. Was and she was going to be the ruler of the uh, the empire. What was her name again? Angelis. Oh, you know that's um that's French for space elevator. <laughs> Is it? Man, it's like it's Cosmo, like you got me um, with that one. Wow. You got me with that one. Uh, I uh, sorry. It's I like Rosetta to. Stone all of a sudden in here. Um, so. Okay, the um, it's the empire of Misurugi, believe it or not. Now, on the day that she's going to be baptized, she reaches age. And oh, I'm sorry, I left out one important one important part of the society. There are people who cannot use mana in the society. They're rare, but they are referred to as they are referred to as normas. Normas, okay, because they, because they can't use this magical power and normas. Are treated as uh, as monsters, as abominations, as freaks of nature. I have an they aunt are... named Norma, and that's uh... yeah. Isn't that, <laughs> is isn't she that an abomination? To, to Norma's everywhere. Yeah. She's um, a lovely person. In the very first episode, there's this scene. Do you where... really have an aunt named Norma? Norma? Yeah, oh, I do too, actually. Now, Norma Jean. Really? I do. Yeah. Um, so, in the very first episode, when Princess Anjali, she's in the limo, she's uh, in the um, the parade to her. Um, to her ceremony uh, with her younger sister and her brother and her family, um, they're stopped because there's a disturbance on the side of the road. And she gets out and she discovers a woman protecting her child from the authorities because apparently the child is a Norma and they're going to take the baby away from her uh, and lock it away. 
and she's you know she's screaming and saying no don't take my baby don't take my baby and and the princess gets out of her car and she has this this very very um beautific smile and she's very confident and regal and she walks up and says you must you must surrender your child normas are evil they're abominations you you can have another child who can use mana but this child needs their antisocial monsters she needs to be put somewhere where she won't endanger anyone else please do this and she's completely convinced of the righteousness of what she's doing right there there's she doesn't see the evil in taking a child away from her parent all she sees is this thing is dangerous right and eventually the child gets taken away then they go on to her ceremony where during her ceremony, it is revealed for all the nation to see, because everyone's watching on the vid screens, that the Princess Angelis is actually a Norma herself. Uh? And she did not know. Can because, I just... because the royal family and the rule in the house was, as royalty, we don't have to use mana. So they let the servants use mana. And this was actually the brainchild of the mother and father to hide the truth from their daughter because they wanted to protect her and they wanted to put her finally when she was of age she would be the ruler and no one could ever question her um but uh but it was the brother the elder brother who who discovered the truth and uh basically deposed his own family and uh and deposed his 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 sister to uh to not allow a norma to take over ruling of the empire and um and so the princess is publicly shamed. Everyone turns their back on her. They call her a monster. They call her, you know, an abomination. All the things that she had called that child just moments before. And she can't accept it. Mm. She just believes that she's not able to use mana because she's freaked out, because she's scared, because she watched her mother sacrifice herself, um, literally trying to get her out of the palace before the guards could grab her and put her in prison. And, um, and then... Okay, so the Princess Angelis is brought to where all the other Normas are kept out of public sight. And she's, she wakes up in a prison cell and she's confronted by the, uh, by the commander of the guard there. Says, you know, you don't, you're, you're a Norma now. You have no rights. You're going to do what you're told here. And uh, basically tears off, of her, tears off her clothes. As you do spreads her out on a table and binds her hands as we have to do the physical examination now. Ooh. Whoa. Yep. That yep. kind of physical. You know, and me, she's, she's, she's screaming and crying. No, no, no. And she's saying, I'm, I'm the Princess Angelis. I'm the Princess Angelis. And we go on train. You're nobody now. You're nothing. And we're going to show it to you how you're nothing. You know, and that's how the first episode ends. Jeez. Right? Man, this you know, anime is... Uh, we're, we're, we're pretty much out of time for this impression, and you've made this anime sound pretty good. I was going to say, this actually sounds not bad. I want to watch the, it. The, the, the premise is solid, but all of that gratuitous, that, that you don't need all that nonsense. If the uniforms were actual uniforms and not just bindings around the boobs and, and bikini bottoms, if there wasn't a, a lesbian threesome, or like in the second episode, they introduced Captain Zola, 
who loves initiating new recruits. She's uh-huh. a hedonist when she's not leading her troops into battle. She likes breaking in the new girls. And they have a scene with her and her Woo! lover, Hilda, you know, where Hilda's tied up and, and she's just demonstrating her sexual paralysis. Oh, uh, you what, bore uh, me now. I'm going to go find Ange. For, you know, for research purposes. What was the name of the show again? This is Cross. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. research I just, purposes. Uh, I just have to read up on this. Kazuo's and... like watching this <laughs> one. I was, you could have, this could have been so much better without all that gratuitous nonsense. I'm sorry. Right. It's packaged to sell to a particular audience. I get that. But then they couldn't the sell mecha like. The mecha designs, because this is Sunrise. Yeah. The mecha designs are gorgeous. The paramails, that, those are the, that's the mecha that the girls ride into battle. Because I've, Norma's, their task in the world that nobody knows about is that they fight dragons. They fight monsters to keep the utopia safe. What? You know, and, and so these dragons from another dimension just pop into their earth and they fight them with giant robots and monsters. Okay. It's, it's a great concept and it's a great revenge story because you already know that Ange is going to find the will to live. She's going to accept her role and who she really is. She's going to find allies. She's going to fight her way back to get revenge on her brother who took everything away from her. This is good stuff. It would be so entertaining. Why do we have to have another boob shot? Why do we have to have... It just takes you out of the experience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, so got to stop you. Okay, so I know. We're I, failing, know. I went over time, but... We're failing this one? We're failing this one. Yes. What we've got here is... A piece of shit. All right. Would have yep. probably been better if it had a space elevator. I'm just saying. Well, there may be one later on in the series. <laughs> All right. Well, put it on ice until then. Okay. Speaking of uh, ice, Cosmo, you're up. Wait. Speaking of ice... <laughs> Okay, um, the show that I am giving an impression on is Nanatsu no Taizai, or The Seven Deadly Sins. The most popular anime in Japan this season, according to a poll done by... Is it? How J- Japanator, or one of those I'm, I'm sites. Cu- I'm curious, how did... You know you did that poll recently on our I did. forum. Uh, how mm. did it do on that? Uh, not so well. Okay. But guess what? The, West, the Japanese people and the Western people don't see eye to eye on anything. I see. Okay, well, let me pull up. I'm going to pull up a... Um, Japanese I'm, people love it. Love it. Okay. <laughs> Nanatsu no Taizai, Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, little plot summary here real Whoa, quick. Whoa, that picture of the manga cover was nothing like I was expecting. Was with it? The title, like, with the title of Seven Deadly Sins, I wasn't expecting a manga cover of, like, a young you boy. You were expecting Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Ganky. Yeah, I was expecting something kind of darker. Kevin Spacey yeah. and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah it, it's, exactly. It's definitely different. Um, so the plot summary here, the seven deadly sins were once, uh, I'm just getting this off of Wikipedia, it's the same plot summary on every other website though. Um, seven deadly sins were once an active group of knights in the region of Britannia who disbanded after they supposedly plotted to overthrow the Linus kingdom. Uh, their supposed defeat came at the hands of the holy knights, but rumors continued to persist that they were still alive. Ten years later, the Holy Knights staged a coup d'etat and captured the king, becoming the new tyrannical rulers of the kingdom. The third princess, Elizabeth, then starts out on a journey to find the seven deadly sins and enlist their help in taking back the kingdom. So, I think you pronounced that wrong. It's coup d'etat. Oh, is that? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. You're right. You're right. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's pronounced um, space elevator. There. That's uh-huh. the the uh, the C is silent in that. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> So basically, it's uh, you know it's kind of a fantasy show. It's it's uh, definitely shonen. Uh, the manga is running in Shonen Jump, I believe, at this point. 
Um, or no. Uh, Kodansha. This, you're oh, right. Wait. Yeah. No, wait. It's published by Kodansha, and it's running in... Weekly Shonen. Weekly Shonen. Okay. So um, it takes place in this kind of fantasy world, as you may have picked up through the plot summary. There's uh, the kingdom, and then there's the knights that are supposed to protect the kingdom. Uh, they're the holy knights, and they're incredibly powerful. And then there's these seven deadly sins, who are al- also incredibly powerful. Um, and the seven deadly sins were basically attacking the kingdom is what they tell you at the beginning of the show although there's some speculation to that three episodes in where it's like well maybe they were you know framed and the uh, the knights eventually uh turn on the kingdom and kind of take over and they become these crazy evil rulers the seven deadly sins kind of disband and go about their way uh so our episode kind of begins with um there's a bar uh, which um, is... Are we talking about like a object or a drinking place? No, it's, place? it's a drinking place okay. called the Boar Hat Bar, and it's run by a guy by the name of Meliodas, who you will find out very quickly is actually the leader of the Seven Deadly Sins, uh, except he looks like a young boy. Um, so, of course, the shonen, the hero has to be a little boy, even though he's supposed to be much, much older, because the main of the, the events that precede the anime took place 10 years prior and yet he still looks like a little kid so whatever they mention it in the show because they're like well why do you still look so young um this girl shows up her name is elizabeth she shows up at the bar and is basically trying to find the seven deadly sins she is the third princess of the kingdom and since the kingdom has been taken over by these holy knights she's trying to find the seven deadly sins to help them fight back against them um so in the first episode, she finds she wanders into his bar, and she passes out because she's been walking around with this really heavy armor on, and so she's exhausted and and, and um, basically wakes up. She's in his bed, and he is grabbing her boob and squeezing it. You repeatedly. know, that's actually how I tell people to wake me up. Right. I'm like, don't set an alarm, don't have a call, just come into my room and squeeze and my boob. boob. Honk, that's honk. how you do it. Like, yeah. And, like, so she wakes up, and then he's like, oh, yeah, your heart rate is good, and um, whatever. So she's obviously very scantily clad, like, basically wearing, like, a a one-piece bathing suit So you're, almost. So you're saying that she was asking for it. <sighs> Jeez. <laughs> well? <laughs> no, I'm saying that's how they animated the Just character. Just say space elevator. Space elevator. Yeah, okay. Uh, she's basically a space elevator. Yep. Um, <laughs> and so that means segue. Yeah. That means moving on. And so anyway, so she, they, she wakes up. Um, and this guy uh, comes and starts some stuff, and they end up fighting, and then it's revealed that this kid, Meliodas, is actually one of the seven uh, deadly sins, and he's incredibly powerful. He takes out this guy, and then she gets him to help her on her journey. So um, that's kind of episode one. Uh, episode two, they stumble upon a town where there's a sword that's stuck in the ground. It was stuck there by one of the knights. Um, and it and in doing so, it stopped the water from running through the town. Whatever, it's like an electric sword. I don't know how that works. Um, it's like, a, like an electric. Knife. Yeah, like like there's electricity that comes out of the of the blade, and he just jammed it in the ground, which apparently stops the water from flowing. Whatever, oh. science. Um, and so Meliodas, sh- Meliodas shows up, and he pulls the sword out real easily when nobody else could take it out because it's you know so difficult to do, and he just yanks it out like whatever, and. Um, I think, was there a fight in that episode? Um, No, there wasn't. That was kind of really all that happened in that episode. Third episode, they have a bit of a fight. Uh, Third episode, they find their way into this uh, forest called the Forest of White Dreams, 
Uh, <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. I bet you guys have had some of those. You know, I didn't really think about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's how, called the fourth. How, how could you not think of that? I, you know, I don't know. I was thinking about elevators in space and uh, lies. You lie. <laughs> so you lie it's, like called, a rug. it's called the forest of white dreams. They go in there, and this is a place that like everyone avoids because it's very dangerous. Um, turns out that the reason why it's so dangerous is because the one of the inhabitants of this forest is one of the seven deadly sins. This giant girl character. Oh, it's a giant girl. Right. This anime sounds like. Does balls. she does she stain your sheet? <laughs> I don't think so. No, but she's giant and turn your forest white. Yeah, she. Oh, she'll. Yeah, you'll have some white dreams in that forest. That's disgusting. Anyways, so she, <laughs> they, they, they see her, and obviously she knows Meliodas from back in the day because she's one of the seven deadly sins, and uh, of course she is also scantily clad. And oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, this is funny, and it, by funny I mean not funny at all. Uh, as they're walking into the forest, uh, the girl Elizabeth who now has a new outfit that Meliodas has given her. You know, finally they got her out of that, like, one-piece bathing suit type thing. So she's finally covering up with an incredibly short mini skirt and, like, a halter top type thing with her boobs hanging out. So not really much more covered up than she was. And so they're walking through the forest, and then she's like, oh, no, I forgot my panties. (laughs) Where, Where I remember, this is what she's saying, I remember having them when I was in the bathroom... But I don't know what happened to them. I have never, I've never had these problems. Like people joke that like I'm a real life Moe character. And I know I have a lot of really stupid, improbable shit happen to me that supports that. But I've never had a problem where I've just been like, where did my panties go? Like I always know where my panties are at all times. Yeah. So whether they are on me, off me, clean, dirty, I know where they are. Because she's wearing an incredibly short miniskirt. And so she's watching. Did you lose them? I, right. And so she's well, they're walking through the forest, and she's like, they're like, you know, um, the forest is very spooky and kind of haunted looking, and and she's like, oh, something's touching my butt, and of course it's Meliodas who is grabbing her butt. That's something that happens as well. And um, one minute warning. Uh, later on, through a series of events, turns out Meliodas actually had her panties and was like, here you go, you can have them back. Stuffed them in his mouth. <laughs> and, That's so oh. creepy. And it's it's, the show is not terrible. All right. Really, it sounds friggin' it horrible. It sounds pretty terrible, doesn't it? It sounds it more horrible than Cross uh, Yeah, it's yeah, I bad. Agree. It's bad. I'm trying to say it's not terrible because it seems to have really good reviews, and I'm just trying to be nice. But no, it really does suck. Like it's not. Uh, it's there's there's constantly just um, there's just nothing good about it. It's the action's pretty cool. Some of the background animation is nice. The characters don't look that great. Um, the the story is. Not really interesting. I don't really care what's going on in this show. And, and just the fact that, like, ha- having, you know, random boob grabs or butt grabs or missing panties or girls with their tits hanging out, it's like, it just takes you out of the experience. And you're like, what? what is this? So, I mean, I guess if you're looking for that, you just you just want, I don't even know. Well, I'll, ass. I'll tell ass. you what, this is a shonen anime that, that's running in Shonen Jump, so you're... By failing it, you're probably sparing yourself from a 200 episode slog. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, it's safe to say I'm I'm failing this anime. The animation is don't awful. bother. Look it's for space recycled elevators. Recycled mouth movements without moving the characters. It's awful, I tell you, awful. Okay. Okay. So I- we have one more impression and one more slot. I wonder if this will pass or fail. Mm. Probably not. Probably not. We're gonna bring. Way to ruin the uh, suspense. suspense there. Okay, 
Um, yeah, the last one's mine again, and uh, I, I would, I wish I could pronounce this title. Go ahead, properly. Chucky. Um, no, no, no. Here, uh, I'll say it for you like a yakuza. Like a yakuza? Ino batoruwa nichijo ke no nakade. Or Because he hung out with so many yakuza. Oh, I did. I'm badass like that. Or the literal Opa. translation: when supernatural battles become commonplace, or the way that it's, I mm. guess it's known in Japan because this is a series of light novels I just discovered. In addition to it was it was light novels first, then a manga, and now an anime. Uh, you know, battle within everyday life, and you know, battle in the usually days. Um, and I have to say that I was charmed by this show from minute one. I love the opening theme song. It's very bright. It's very cheerful. And then I was I was very relieved. I watched this after watching Crossange, right? And and Crossange just made me so mad because of of everything that I was seeing and, and how blatantly over the top it was. Reap. So that's a drop. You have that as a drop. That was me. Oh. That was not a drop. I thought that was a drop. Well, the only thing I took away from Crossange was Normas and girls being raped, basically. Yes. So Mecca. And dragons. Anything would be refreshing. Mecha, Mecha and, dragons. and dragons just right. sound so awesome. So, you know, a battle is basically this. Okay, this this is the concept. You have um, the members of the Senko High School Literature Club, and they're one boy, four girls. Oh right? boy! And Here they meet. They meet every week in their literature club, and they and they read and they tell each other the stories, you know, about, about what they're reading and whatnot. Well, one day, uh, the one the boy, uh, Ando, who is accused of having, I guess this translates to eighth grader syndrome, uh, um, where he he's obsessed with comic books and comic book characters to the point where he talks like comic book characters, and, like uh, and and powers and, and these sorts of things. He's he's really he's really really geeky to the point where he makes other people uncomfortable. Um, Ando develops a superpower, like a real one. Oh, that's awesome. And then six months, it, the show flashes six months later. All five of them have developed some sort of superpower. And during their class meetings, they practice their powers. It's kind of a tune-up to see if they've developed any new ones. You know, what else have you learned how to do? And so just to kind of run down the list, um, the um, uh, Tomoyo, she can, she, can, um, she can alter time, right? I'll, I'll read the description. Um, her power allow, lets her speed up, slow down, or stop time, but she can't go back in time. So say that something's falling off a table. She can stop time, grab it, and put it back. Or she can speed things up, or it, so, and she can do that at will, right? Okay. Um, Hatoko, she's the really nice, sweet, sweet girl, a member of the club who likes baking, and she's very domesticated. Um, uh, she's you know, very polite, takes things very seriously, doesn't know how to take a joke. Um... She, her power is that, um, space elevators, space elevators, space she elevators? can manipulate the elements, Damn it. earth, water, fire, wind, and light. I mean, she can create storms, and firestorms, heart? no earth, captain planet. Oh, nothing. Oh. He's a hero. Oh my Lord. You went there. Gonna take pollution down to zero. Sayumi. Sayumi is the eldest member of, of the group. It looks like she's certainly the tallest and most well-developed. And, and can I just throw in here real quick that the school uniforms are not revealing in any way, shape, or form. How awesome is that? It's 
doesn't look gratuitous and stupid? That's always a good thing. Okay. Um, her power is she can restore, any, and, and they haven't developed this power very much, but she can restore anything to its natural state. Like if someone has gotten burned by Hatako's power, she just, um, Sayumi reaches over and touches them and they're back to normal. Or um, their clothes are burnt or So she's wet. the medic? Yeah. And so, she's then, just, so she really is heart. And then Chifuyu is the youngest member of the group, and she's actually not even in high school. She's an elementary school kid um, who ends up being with the group because the group's advisor, it, the group's advisor is her auntie. And it's like, I'm, I'm busy, I can't watch her, so will you guys watch over Chifuyu? And she becomes a member of the group. Her power, she arguably has the most visible and the most powerful ability. Um, she, um, she can manipulate any element and she can manipulate space. So she, she can create gateways like, okay, let's, I want to go home now from the classroom. She can open a doorway and step through it and she's home. Whoa. She, can, she can take the classroom they're in, take all five of them and transport them to a stadium space where they can or, or a desert where they can practice their powers. She can manipulate, you know, uh, not time, but space and elements. Um, hmm. So, and she's the youngest, and she's always carrying a stuffed animal around with her, and she's very <laughs> quiet. Um, and so that the four the four girls are all more or less sort of realistic, and we're just going about our everyday lives with these powers. But but Ando, I, 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 Ando the boy, uh -huh. his power. He calls his power Dark on Darko. Okay. He can create this dark flame in his hands that does nothing. So the one that it can, doesn't burn, he can't throw it. Nothing. It just, it just does looks, nothing. The so, one the one that can control space. Yes. Can she control space elevators? We haven't seen that far into the series yet. Okay. So it okay. may come along. All right. But um, can so the space it, elevator go sideways like like Willy Wonka's elevator? Would it be called an elevator at that point? Well, depends well, on the Willy Wonka of did. the Earth, wouldn't it, that the it elevator would, be, would have to go sideways? It would be a side-evator. What's, what's <laughs> really funny to me, what I found really great, was that the most dramatic, the, 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 the one of them who would be the most into having superpowers has the most useless power. Um, and he comes up with nicknames for their powers, and he's he's very wise. He's read a lot of comic books. He knows how to how to work these into your your everyday life. Where the others like, wow, that's that's actually kind of smart. Work it. New. Now, what happens as the series progresses is that they encounter other people in their everyday lives who have some sort of superpower. Um, like the first, the very first episode, they're, they're, uh, the student council president kind of confronts them all. And, uh, and says, there's been too much noise in your, in, your, uh, in your classroom meetings. You have to stop. But she's actually trying to get them to reveal their abilities because she has an ability too. Oh. And she had to learn about her ability on her own. She didn't have a group to help her develop her abilities. She felt isolated. Oh. Um, and, uh, and so when she finds out that these other kids have abilities too, she wants to kind of find out what they can do. Um, and um, that's Mide. And Mide's ability is she can steal anybody else's power if she sees it being performed. So Ando is the one who steps up, oh, I'll take care of this, and he shows his dark, dark power, and then <laughs> she steals his power, and look, it's useless. You know? That's awesome. And so the other four girls, it's like, so if we don't show you our power, you can't do anything to us, can you? Um, um, and so they, they, they go to beat her up, you know, and, and she, she, she collapses and goes, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, because she can't do anything unless they show her the power. It's charming, it's clever, there is a, a romantic comedy aspect to it, 
as the series has gone out, I've watched the first five episodes now. Um, other characters are introduced, and it's just really funny the way that they handle uh, the way the kids uh, internalize pop culture, um, the way that some people ignore it, other people make it the most important thing in their lives. Uh, and they're waiting. These kids are waiting because in all the movies they've seen and everything they've read, when people gain superpowers, other people, bad people, right. show up that have powers eventually, and they'll have to eventually save the world from something. It just hasn't happened yet. So they're waiting. Um, it's super cute. Uh, I give it the highest marks I could possibly give. Um, and I'm invested. I'm in. I'm, I'm watching this to the end. Uh, it, it, it's not a shonen series, so it's not going to run as long. Um, but um, but it's, it's good stuff. And you have to think that because it was a light novel first, and because there was a manga adaptation later, a manga adaptation later, that there's a lot, there's a wealth of material to draw from. This thing is just going to keep getting better and better. So, yes, I'm passing this one big time. All right. So... We That's have, it. We have our eight anime, I we think. We have our eight anime. So just to do a quick rundown, the ones that passed were Fate Stay Night, Unlimited Blade Works, Sora no Method, Akatsuki no Yona, Shingeki no Bahamut, Shirobako, Kiseju, or Parasite. And then on this episode, Shigatua Kimi no Uso, or Your Lie in April, and Inoobatua Nichijouke no Nakade. So... We have our eight anime, which means we will also soon be putting up the listener's choice poll right. on the website for you to pick our ninth anime. So that's it. Uh, I will say, if you are not watching us live and in this chat, then you are missing out. I know. It's been a crazy it's chat this awesome. episode. All all over the place with our with our topics, as, as you can probably guess, listen, listening pre-recorded. So. I'm going to guess there were probably more than 2,000 comments written. Yeah, it was a During lot. Show, That's good yeah. stuff. So a lot of people. just as a reminder, YouTube.com, where we broadcast live at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to make sure that you get all of the updates on when we're broadcasting. And, of course, if you can't make it on the live show, we totally understand. And you can always download later on our main site, aaapodcast.com and iTunes. And, of course, don't forget to give us a rating, especially if you like us. Thank you, all of you guys who joined us on the chat. You guys I, are the best. You guys are the best. I want to take a second because I got a really sweet email. I'm not going to say anything about it because it was sent personally. So I don't want to say anything and, you know, violate that person's trust if they didn't want it said. But literally, you know, reading emails like the one I got during the show, and I'm going to share it with all the hosts here in a second, but it you guys make the show worth doing. So thank you for all of your participation live pre-recorded on social on itunes thank you this is this is all for you labor of love so i love you guys i love you guys so much uh. Uh, space elevators <laughs> 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 take care everybody good night bye